Ladies and gentlemen, a peasant revolt is upon us on Reddit r slash Wall Street bets for the past, I think, couple of weeks. I mean, honestly, probably for a longer time than we realize they've been going after these hedge funds, these companies that are basically betting on retail shops going doing really poorly. Well, they decided to counter this move by rallying everybody, all these small individuals with a couple hundred bucks here and there to buy some stock and things like GameStop and AMC to destroy, effectively destroy these hedge funds. Well, all all today, we had people on the left and the right cheering, watching these people buy stock in these companies because it meant that these hedge funds were going to lose billions of dollars for once. It seemed that the working class people were transferring wealth from the 1% to them as opposed to the other way around. Well, there's a lot to go here to break down the story. I'm sure many of you have been following it. It's huge. GameStop stock went from like 18 bucks to 350 bucks per share. And this is a company that most people think isn't doing all that well. So it seems to be quite irrational. But so the saying goes, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. I just read that today, honestly. So you look, I'm not a stock person. Here's the bad news. Discord has taken down Wall Street Bet's server for hate speech. Yep. It's only a matter of time. When you start taking the money from the billionaires, what do they do? They halted trading. They, they put a circuit breaker freeze on some trading. They started calling for regulation One, on Barron's, uh, a magazine. They were saying we should get a 30-day stop on GameStop. Why? Because the billionaires were going to lose all that money. We can't have that. The peasants, the plebs must know their place. Now, the Wall Street bets subreddit where all this is going on, private. So we'll talk about all this. We got a bunch of other stories. We got Vladimir Putin basically saying we are we are looking at a World War II type scenario. We got this uh, this Twitter troll going to prison for posting a meme. So people say, but it did misinform people on how to vote. And well, it's a crime. Apparently, this dude's been arrested. So we got a lot of talk about. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about Wall Street bets and the ramifications of this. We'll talk about the stocks. But uh, we have a really cool guest today. We got Jason Whitlock. How's it going, man? Awesome. Awesome to be here. Thank you, Tim, for having me. So who are you? What do you do? Who am I? I'm a longtime uh, sports writer. Uh, made my name in Kansas City, Missouri at the Kansas City Star in the 1990s and early 2000s, writing predominantly about the intersection of sports, race, and culture, and eventually got jobs at ESPN and Fox Sports and went out on my own. Uh, recently, I I moved fully into TV, uh, doing my own TV show at Fox Sports 1, and then went out on my own with OutKick. And now I'm a free agent again, uh, about to do my next move and probably try to you know move into the space you're in in terms of just being an independent uh, voice of, of truth and here more recently, I, I I still write about sports, but I write mostly about race and culture, and that's kind of what I'm known for. As of recent, I think you had a particular critique of Black Lives Matter. I think it's fair to say you're you're not particularly woke. Quite the opposite. No, no I am. The, the whole sports media landscape has gone woke, and, and I've I, and I've never been that guy. Uh, you know, I'm not political. As I was, t- I was telling Lydia, she picked me up from the airport. Yeah. I've never voted. Wow. Uh, you know, I never wanted a political identity. Now, I am someone that was raised in the church. I am someone that 
grew up playing football. I went to college on a football scholarship. And so those were my that's where my values came from. Football and the church. And that has painted me into the, you know, I'm seen as conservative. Uh, but I'm still not all that political, although here this last election cycle has pushed me probably in the next election, I will be voting. I, I, I'm pretty confident. I now I feel compelled that I have to participate in the election process because I'm I'm so disappointed by what has transpired over the last few years. Oh, yeah. Here. Well, we, we have a lot to talk about, especially with some executive orders from Joe Biden and critical race theory and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. into all that. We also got Luke Rikoski hanging out. Joe Biden would say some interesting things about you if he found out you didn't vote for him. Uh, that, <laughs> also, another thing before before starting out here, Tim, I, I got to correct you here. When it comes to some of the censorship happening right now, we do have to understand that the hedge funds managers statistically are a minority. And it's important for the big oh, tech algorithms mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. use, you know, to police all the hate speech going against them right now. So, you so know. when you say hedge fund managers are dumb, it's hate speech. Yeah, because they're, hate a, they're a minority. Yeah, group. they're a minority. So, only a few so of them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of hate speech going around, a lot of cracking well, of the whip. So, I just realized yeah. the ninety nine percent is the majority. Yeah, oh, yeah. that one percent is the minority. minority. That's bigotry. Exactly. You Welcome can't. back, beautiful and amazing <laughs> human beings. My name is Lukanowski of WeAreChange.org. If you want to find out more about me, you could check out my independent media channel on WeAreChange on YouTube. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, Ian's hanging out. What up, everybody? Ian Crossland and. Speaking about Biden's uh, executive orders, I think he signed 30 in his first week, yeah, thereabout. More and now. one of them w- repealed or, or canceled five uh, executive orders. Yeah. So maybe that counts as five, I even though you only can do it in one. It's a sign of the collapse, bro. It's shocking. The fact that we are getting to this point where when like Trump signed an executive order on day one, it was a big deal. Biden does, I think, what, what, how many did Biden do? Did like three? a lot more. A couple of days ago, was, I think it was 30. He but did a lot more week. today. Right. Uh, it's a oh. lot. I don't even when, know the total. I got to look it up. When your government starts relying on this executive action, just finger snap, trying to make things happen, it's, it's decay. It's, it's, it's the end is nigh, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Some people have messaged me, some foreigner friends I have, other commentators in Europe and stuff saying, it's not the end of the United States. It's the end of the United States as an empire, as this global force. The country is going to exist and be fine. But this is that change that's coming and there's going to be inner turmoil and conflict and it's, you know, maybe going to be like the fall of the Soviet Union. He has the House and the Senate that are democratically controlled and he's still signing executive orders like a madman. There's a lot to get into. Oh, Uh, and and especially with the Wall Street stuff. So we're going to talk about this. This is is trying times. Doesn't he have to get all this in before Kamala takes over? Yeah, seriously. I guess that's what it is, you know. He's looking at his watch. (laughs) What, What was it like being like kind of a political outsider watching the last election? Disappointing. I mean, that's the only word I could use for it just because my business has been built on independent, outspoken, free speech, a search, go wherever the truth leads. That's been my motto. And it feels like that's being outlawed in America. Free speech, anybody on a search for truth, you have to take some political agenda, hardcore and and it was uncomfortable for me to realize that as flawed as president trump was he was our last best hope oh man to retain free speech and a lot of the traditions in america that i actually love and enjoy about america it's it it, it was uncomfortable to come to that realization I- like 
that's our last hope. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, we'll definitely get into this because I want to talk. I want I want to segue from like the Wall Street bets to like this collapse stuff. But don't forget. As we're finishing our intros, we got Sour Patch Lids pressing I all am, the buttons. I am here in the corner. I am old enough to remember when Joe Biden thought that executive orders were a form of dictatorship. Apparently, he's changed his mind about that since he's been in office. So this will be exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled. Right on. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful sponsor tonight helping make this show possible. I'm eternally grateful always when we get sponsors, especially in these hyper-partisan trying times. My friends, check out surfinginternetsafe.com. And you can get access to Virtual Shield's VPN service at 50% off. A VPN, a virtual private network, helped keep your data safe. Here's the way I explain it to people. When you're surfing the internet, you basically have your doors and your windows unlocked. And it might be convenient. You're getting some fresh air. You want to come and go as you please. You're like You go shopping. You come back with some groceries. Doors open. It's easy, right? But it's not particularly safe. And I think most people would agree having a basic layer of security to help protect your data from big corporations, from governments, a simple thing you can do, right? Anybody would tell you, you want to lock your door a little bit. So if you go to surfinginternetsafe.com, Virtual Shield is offering 50% off for life right now. And we got some, we got some points that they want me to bring up and I want you to know about. They say the, the VPN service is compatible with all devices. It allows you to browse the web safely, securely, and anonymously using their global network of servers and private IPs. It lets you browse the web completely anonymously. So the big name internet service providers and other third parties will not be able to monitor and sell your internet activity and browsing history. Just the other day, this was creepy. Luke was talking about airsoft smoke flares. And then all of a sudden, our phones, his phone's popping up with all these advertisements. We start getting ads. It's creepy stuff. I don't like it. Anyway, they say, when using Virtual Shield, your traffic is routed through secure and encrypted servers. This means that any restrictions, censorship, or blocks on your internet are bypassed. You can enjoy browsing on a fast, reliable, secure, and always available network, and it's completely free for 30 days. It's good for, it's good with Mac, Windows, iPhone, iPad, Android, and Chrome. Virtual Shield does all the work for you. Your entire connection becomes secure, private, and encrypted, and they route your internet through advanced encrypted servers across the globe to prevent your internet service provider from being able to track your personal internet history. I think it's a good idea. Um, it's appropriate when, uh, in, in, in a multitude of circumstances, and like I said earlier, Look, if you want to leave your door wide open, I think most people would tell you it's kind of crazy. So it makes sense to have some kind of service. Check out surfinginternetsafe.com. You get 50%, 50% off. Seriously, thank you to Virtual Shield. And for everybody listening, Virtual Shield was my first sponsor. They, they really helped us out for a long period of time. I don't usually, I don't chat them out all the time, but when, when, you know, they've always been there. You guys got to understand, man, the censorship stuff gets scary. And we never know when we're going to get put on the chopping block. So seriously, Virtual Shield, we, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And for those that want to support us directly, go to TimCast.com. We have a really great members-only post up the other day where Tulsi Gabbard called CIA's John Brennan and Adam Schiff domestic enemies. So if you want to hear us swear a lot at those people while agreeing with Tulsi because she's awesome, become a member at TimCast.com. Let's jump over to the first story and talk about Wall Street bets. My friends. CNBC reports the devastating news. Reddit group Wall Street Bets behind massive GameStop and AMC run-ups goes private. Invitation required. CNBC doesn't like Wall Street Bets because CNBC is where all these crony hedge fund types and Wall Street types go on the TV and uh, essentially it can manipulate markets and trick poor people into losing a lot of money. They say Wall Street Bets Reddit chat room, where retail investors marshal against short sellers, went private Wednesday. 
You must be invited to visit this community. The page now states the forum's members topped three million as of Wednesday. The community gathered an army of rookie day traders who go after heavily shorted stocks, pushing share prices higher and squeezing out short selling hedge funds. My favorite part in all this, everybody loves it. Everybody except the crony establishment elites. But here's what it looks like. You go to Reddit right now. You have to be invited to this community. I suppose that means there's about 3 million people who are still able to easily access this and see what's going on. But if you're a you know, layman looking in from the outside and you didn't sign up, like me, you can't see what's going on. So let me show you something real quick. I just want to show you the GameStop stock. It's after hours. is at $347.51, my friends. Some regular old people are becoming millionaires off of this. I saw a post from someone that put like their life savings into it, I guess, and then they made like a million dollars. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I think it's hugely risky. And to be fair, there are some of these, you know, Wall Street types who are definitely saying it's a it's a big mistake. These people are going to get hurt. Some people probably will. That's why don't take any advice from anyone. Anyone here on this show, anybody saying anything is not advice because we got no idea what we're talking about. We are not stock experts in any capacity. Uh, and I think for to a certain degree, a lot of people on Wall Street bets aren't either. However, to be fair, a lot of people who go on TV and tell you what to buy are probably lying, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's here's where it gets really crazy. This is the big, the big, big drop. Discord bans Wall Street bets for hate speech. And that's it. That's the lie. That's the trick. They've been talking about how they have to censor everybody for their hate speech because they say naughty things that offend people. But what happens when you get a group of people, a large group of people, thousands, tens of thousands, millions, who are saying, we found out a way to take the money from the 1% and bring it back to the people. Oh my, we've discovered hate speech. We better shut down their ability to coordinate. This to me looks like a dirty game. First, they tried, they, they, they halted trading on, on, the, on the stock market. It was a circuit breaker. So that's when like trading goes too crazy. They stop it. But then we saw that some of these platforms like TD Ameritrade restricted trading. So they, we know what they're doing behind the scenes. The people at Wall Street bets even think that there's a coordinated effort to manipulate the market to try and save these hedge funds because someone's got to bail them out. They could end up being in debt $10 billion, meaning they're gone. Now, I don't know what you guys think. To me, this reaps reeks of phony censorship. Accuse them of hate speech. That way they can try and at least pretend like they have some moral high ground. But who's buying it? Yeah. I mean, what did you think when you allowed Silicon Valley to aggressively police speech? What did you think was going to happen? Of course, they're going to be using it and abusing it to help out their friends, their family members, the people who serve them, the people who give them money in. And this is huge. According to S3 Partners, short sellers lost $14.3 billion just just on GameStop. Not even including all GameStop. the other ones. GameStop, sorry. GameStop. GameStop. Exactly. And then other people other people are, are answering back saying, no, 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 no. Short sellers didn't lose. People won and enriched themselves to the tune of $14.3 billion because all the market, I mean, you know, manipulators, all these hedge funds managers that are absolutely hated by the left and the right are finally getting a taste of their own medicine. And a lot of people are realizing, hey, it's only capitalism when it benefits them. And yep. we saw massive, massive pushback by CNBC freaking out. CNN wrote an article, How Trumpism Explains the GameStop Stock Surge. Are you kidding me? I mean, if, if CNN couldn't absolutely hate it when Wall Street hedge funds managers don't get their way from, don't get their pound of flesh from Main Street. This absolutely exemplifies it. It's absolutely sickening. When the little guy wins, CNN is always going to be backing Dude, the big guy. It's crazy. Trump, Trumpism. Yes. Trump's it's gone. Yeah. I, I saw a post from someone there like, wow, Trump disappeared real quick, didn't he? He's out of the presidency and like, 
We don't see him. We don't hear from him. So what does CNN do? Well, it's Trumpism. I I knew it. We said it was coming. They're really out of touch because it's just like a bunch of kids. Well, I don't know if they're all kids, but like using Reddit forums. That's not has nothing to do with Trump. It's been around since before Trump. They did use that tactic to get Trump elected. Here's what is new, though, guys. And since COVID, there's a lot of working class people stuck at home. Their jobs have been shut down. Uh, if you're in the service industry, rest, you're not making near the money that you used to make. Many of the people have lost their jobs. And so, listen, I, I don't want to cry broke here because I'm, I'm not broke. But I will say this about COVID and what has happened is that I got heavily involved with my TD Ameritrade account. I have one that my financial advisor runs, and then I have my own little one that because of COVID and I was at home more, I started paying a lot of attention to. And there have been stories written, I think like 16 million people have signed up for their own personal Mm -hmm. accounts. And so what I think is going on here, they're calling a timeout. Like, wow, we got 16 million new traders. There's some people that have read it that have figured out They've gathered up people that have been put out of work, the working class, and they figured out how to make money. And we have to call a timeout and figure out how do we respond to all of these new traders and and this new economy that's going on in the stock market. And so they're coming up with excuses while they try to figure out how they stop this disruption that it's taking their money away, bro. Yes. But but just think about. What hedge funds represent the destruction of the little man and the small yeah. businessman, the individual restaurant owners, the individual stores and provide everything is Walmart, everything is Amazon, everything's this big global chain. Dude. And I think these people, and again, I don't have a full understanding of Wall Street bets and what's been going on, but it just feels like the working class fighting back. Yeah. And the elites call in a timeout. We yeah. got to figure out well, that's how to what, stop them. That, that's what the Nasdaq CEO was considering today, thinking about holding and stopping trades to recalibrate their positions to, of course, combat people on Reddit. And now people on Reddit are even, you know, pushing their discussions, making their groups private, which is absolutely crazy here. But one thing that you also brought up during the whole coronavirus uh, 2020 year, stock market speculators were the only ones who made record high profits while everyone else was wiped out. People realize this. People understand that this is not right because when we look at hedge funds managers, the people on Wall Street, they don't provide any services. They don't provide any goods. They literally move around zeros on the computer and make more money for themselves. And people are scratching their heads like, hey, if they could do it, we could do it as well. But bro, it's fine if someone is like, yo, I got 10,000 shares at a dollar. Oh, it's $2. I'll sell it. I just made a bunch of money. It's another thing when they start putting shorts on stock where they're basically betting someone's going to fail. While saying we're infusing money. But what, ha- what, what, what I'll tell you what the problem is. Okay, fine. You want to short sell something? You want to take that bet? It's risky. I accept that too. You want to make a risky bet. You know what I don't like? Is when they short a stock, then they get their buddies to go on TV and go, oh, it's going to be bad. You better sell now. And then everyone panics and the stock crumples. They start laughing because they manipulate the game to make money. This is what they are reaping. This is what they get. And, and the best part, you were mentioning this with COVID and all that. A lot of these people, young people, a lot of these people needed money real bad, and it took months for the for for the Congress to get these checks out to even negotiate these things. And some people were desperate, got those and used what they could and did what they did. But there are some people 
who had some lying around. We just got $600 stimulus checks got sent around. Now you got a bunch of bored people hmm. sitting around with their Robinhood accounts, TD Ameritrade. And then someone says, hey, you know, those fat cats who made billions of dollars off our back while our economy collapsed. You want to stick it to the man? And they're like, what do I got to do? You got a couple hundred bucks? I sure do. From my stimulus, drop it in. My favorite thing about this is the establishment is being hoisted by their own petard. You know, my favorite they thing. Wanna, they want to pump out these billions of dollars. $1,400 stimulus checks are coming. And what do you think is going to happen when a bunch of these young people are like, screw it, and they dump it all to target these short it, to, to short squeeze out these hedge fund managers? It's Robin Hood, dude. Yes, That's it's what Robin, Robin Hood, Hood did. <laughs> Stole from the rich and gave to the poor. And now we're seeing it again digitally. That's not a I, not a coincidence. If this really is a simulation. Dude. Yeah. And, and <laughs> of course, you're, called Robin Hood. Yeah, you're talking about an app that people are using. People are using Cash App. People are using Robin Hood. I personally tweeted out my like uh, my Cash App and you people capitalist. are like, oh, you're you're sent you're, you're selling. Uh, what was it? Shovels during the gold rush here. And I see what you're doing here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean, it makes sense. Now, of course, I'm, I'm always very skeptical of Reddit because I know Reddit could be manipulated. I know the stock market is fully manipulated so we should be cautious here uh and and another thing to kind of really really consider here is wait until wall street bets wait until that community finds out about bitcoin i can't, i mean there's also another huge potential here of people saying well we're going to invest where things actually matter where they actually make an impact and this is a sign that a lot of people on the left and right are seeing as this huge merger point of people finally coming together putting their political differences aside and saying you know what Everything's rigged. Let's play the market just like they play it. I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying, but you know what I think is more likely to happen is that the hedge funds are going to panic and find Bitcoin because they're, they're, the, these shorts yep. are being attacked. All right. So I'll try to explain it. I may be getting it wrong because I'm not a stock person. So you guys can super chat and then we'll, we'll get to that. But the general idea, my understanding of a short is that I'll put it this way. Like Ian, let me borrow that share real quick. I'll pay you for it next week. I then sell it to Luke for 10 bucks. I'm hoping that in a week it's worth a dollar. So then I'm holding 10 bucks. Here's your dollar for the stock you lent me, right? I'll pay you back for it now. But what happens when I sell it for 10 bucks to Luke? And then a week later, it's with a hundred bucks. And then, you know, Ian comes to me and says, all right, hundred bucks is due, but I only have $10. I don't got the stock anymore. So what they're doing is by, by everyone buying into these stocks, the value skyrockets. And then the, the crazy thing is these hedge funds who short the stock, there's no bottom. It's an, a near infinite potential loss. If the GameStop stock goes to $5,000, which I'm not saying it will, then for every share that they sold at six bucks, they owe that five grand and they only got six bucks. So they're looking at, what do you say, look like $14 billion lost? It just on, uh, according to S3 uh, partners, just in uh, GameStop uh, alone. Just, I am just not offering anyone advice, advocating for or encouraging anything, but I will tell you my opinion. Oh man, I love it. I love it so much. I got mixed feelings because it it's dangerous for people to coordinate and and game the stock market. Like, but it's well, totally that's what goes possible. on every day. That's what they yeah. do. That's exactly what they do, <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. That's the look name at, of the at, job. Listen, listen. Look at who was it? Loeffler and Purdue were they the ones? Oh, they were the ones. Who, who yeah. they they it's bought? Like they moved these stocks around. Uh, Leffler. They, they moved these stocks around just before COVID or whatever, and they got called out for it. And they said it was totally legit, and we weren't the ones who did it. Sure. Well, wealthy individuals with connections and with access always know the right moves to make. Yeah. It's just convenient, isn't it? But also, let's just think about the really wealthy people and the connected people, the globalists. And, you know, I'll get fried for using that word. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> but the global when they're shutting down the economy, sending everyone home, put masks on, you can't work. They see the stock market c- uh, crash. 
And the globalists have all the money to invest in the stock market as it crashes. And they've benefited. And everybody knows that if you've got a brand you've been following, the rich made a ton of money during COVID. Yep. I'm embarrassed. And, and I'm, not, I'm not super rich. But I'm embarrassed by how much money I've made during COVID by buying devalued stock and then sitting back for the last six months and watching it grow. Yep. It's embarrassing how much money I've made sitting on my rear end at home. It is a transfer of wealth from the working class to the rich. And when I hear about millions of regular people saying, I got a stimulus check, let's, let's, let's do it. You know what that is? We had a bunch of people storm the Capitol. That was dumb. Accomplished nothing. They're going to charge people with sedition. Nothing's accomplished from it. The state that now the feds are like, we want more security powers. Nothing gets accomplished. I'll tell you what really scares them when you go after their pocketbook, when the regular working people figured out a way to stick it to the man. And so they, they panicked so hard. It, it's hate speech. It's our only solution. They're, they're bigots. Yeah. Economics is our only solution. Yeah. yeah. That's, again, yeah. no, seriously, we can't count on the ballot anymore. We can't vote them out. But if we can make them pay an economic price for the exploitation of the working class, then you have a shot. Yeah, we I mean, be- I'm loving the left and the right together on this one. Yes. I'm seeing yeah. like like leftists. You got Kyle Kalinsky. You got Vosh. They're all like, this is fantastic. Yeah. You got right wing individuals cheering for it. And I'm sitting back like, yes, unity. Yeah. I mean, this unity. is what, this is why we've been saying voting with your dollar is extremely Boom. important. And when we look back at previous movements like Occupy Wall Street, we, you know, we can make fun of them. We could ridicule them. But one of the major success stories was them disinvesting from major big banks and investing in smaller community based banks. And that's one of the success stories that I think shook a lot of people from the core. And I think a lot of people were shook, especially from the reaction from the mainstream media, especially from the reaction of big tech, and also from the from the response that we got from the White House today, as Biden's press secretary was asked about this. And her only response was, do you know we have a female treasury secretary? Oh Literally, that was her response. <laughs> and and the, the female treasury secretary, by the way, Janet Yellen, former head of the Federal Reserve, who also gave speeches to Wall Street to the tune of millions of dollars. She enriched herself for giving speeches to Wall Street and also was a part of the same institution that bailed out all these big Wall Street banks and firms. During the COVID scandal, we have to understand there was a huge transfer of wealth that no one wants to talk about where the Federal Reserve printed a crap ton of money and literally gave it to all these speculators, gave it to Wall Street. So their losses were literally privatized their, their their you know profits whenever they make money that of course is pure capitalism but when they lose money the government steps in now they have a potential of losing more money because of independent small actions of redditors and now they're freaking out talking about look but we have a female you know, you know, look how diverse but, we are you know are you kidding me you know what's funny about this is that what we're watching right now are these billionaires having their wealth redistributed among this community of three million people and i'm like that sounds awfully like what these socialists have been calling for for some time, but everyone's cool with it because it wasn't done through government. Mm-hmm. It was done through the market. Yeah. And so everyone, like, so the left is basically like, well, it wasn't government, but you did redistribute wealth. Mm-hmm. And then the people on the right are like, these monopolistic oligarchs are getting what's coming to them and it's through the market. Everybody's happy. We got to be careful in the coming years because I think this is going to continue. This like coordinated stock buys and sells and stuff. Be careful about buying stock on margin. This is what happened during the Great Depression. People well, don't, were, you can't mm. give advice. Okay, but during the Great Depression, what happened was people, the, the economy was booming and everyone was like, oh, you can buy stocks to make money? Well, that's awesome. I'll take out a loan to buy stocks and assume that the stock's going to go up. And it kept happening and people kept taking out more loans and more loans. And then one day, 
a big sell call. happened and they called a margin call, which is uh, the stock's down. So you're going to have to pay for the loss with your loan. And people are like, I, it's, I, I don't have that money. I took a loan out to buy the stock in the first place. Now it's worth less. I owe money and then it would dip more. And the people that sold immediately got out. But a yeah. lot of regular working well, class people lost their wealth so that way. Listen, must stress. You got to get your own financial advisors yeah. because we are just a bunch of morons who know very <laughs> yeah. little. Use history like, as a lesson, yeah. as a book, as a history book. Yeah, you know, not financial advice, but me personally, I don't, I don't invest any money that I'm not afraid of losing. Whether it's you know cryptocurrency, silver, gold, bullets, even stonks. Personally, I'm not going to spend it if I can't afford to lose it. That's me Smart. personally. Not telling you what to do. Not financial advice. We have to stress this enough uh, because again, I think all of us are involved in the stock market in one way, you know, or another, and uh, we have to disclose this. And there's a, a bunch of weird particular rules surrounding I, this particular issue. Like, as well. like Jason, I got in during COVID to the stock market. I, I love this saying. That the market will remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So these people who are placing these bets or or buying on margin, when those calls come in and you gotta pay up, you might be like, "That's that makes no sense. Why is GameStop at three hundred and fifty bucks? It's it's a it's a failing retail market. Doesn't matter. The market speaks." And so what we're seeing from this, in my opinion, we got Joe Biden cranking out executive orders like nobody's business, like history, right? I just kind of 37 presidential acts, but it's their presidential actions. I don't know if they're all executive order. Well, because they could be memorandums, but either way, it is, it is trying to establish, in effect, changing the rules, changing the law. This, in my opinion, is a sign of decay of the system. The, 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 the legislation's not working anymore. Joe Biden's come in and he's just rubber stamping whatever they want. Then you also have people showing how broken the market is. For a year, when our economy was in shambles, people were making billions off speculating. You got people, their, their stock value skyrocketing. And I understand it's not liquid cash, right? They're getting net worth and net value. But traders were selling and were making money. They were getting liquid cash out of the system while everyone wasn't, people weren't working. Then we saw the government print all this money, trillions of dollars, and they're going to do it again. The system is in decay. This, to me, is a sign of major instability. I'm not entirely confident about what comes next. You know, we've we've talked about civil conflict, you know, whatever you want to call it. What happened? Man, I got to tell you, when we've talked about like Weimar Germany and the mass printing of money and people shoveling money into the gutter and stuff, we are looking at this crazy economic instability. What happens when the system shuts down, when they try everything in their power to stop the people from rising up? So what do they do? We're halting trading. We're circuit breaking the stock. You can't trade anymore. That didn't work. Well, then ban them for hate speech. Yep. People are going to be like, that's BS, dude. You yep. keep changing the rules and moving the goalposts every time we figure out a way to stick it to the man, to find a way to finally get the wealth out of the hands of the 1%. They change the rules again. And when the rule changes don't work, they scream hate speech. Eventually, people are going to say the system is so broken, there's no point playing anymore. And then... It falls bet, down. Yeah. And, but again, a, a bigger point to add here, no matter who made money today, we also have to realize a big fact here that tens of millions of people woke up to how the game is rigged. Exactly. We had a yes. very... We had a very, what woke him up? Yeah. I, well, no, what woke him up? Uh, CNN, CNBC. No, Trump. Trump. I mean, Trump. We, we, we can make another argument <laughs> that, but, but again, yeah. today's a very special day because it is the rare occurrence where wealth finally transferred from Wall Street to Middle Street. Usually it goes from Middle Street <laughs> to Wall Street. Street. Main Street. Uh, you know, Main Street. Usually it goes from Wall Street to Main Street. Today it went from, you know, Wall Street to Main Street. Usually it, it, it goes Main Street yeah, to yeah, Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they what I'm saying? They use these tricks. Yeah. Like you, know, you know what really made me angry, man? I'm really angry. When Bitcoin was reaching like 38, 39K, I saw these articles pop up. 
investors could lose everything in Bitcoin. Oh, I saw one of those. These people took out loans and they're going to lose everything. And I'm like, dude, I knew what the game was. They wanted you to get scared. They wanted you to sell so they could buy it cheap. When it was at like 38, 39, you had people who finally, finally poor people see cryptocurrency and they're like, I'm going to buy some of this. It's going up. There's real value here. Well, the, the, the fat cats, the big firms, the big funds, they're like, how can we get more of this? But I don't want to spend that much. Can we get our, our cronies in media to freak the people out and make them think they'll lose it all so they sell and then we buy at a premium? And it works. They do it over and over and over again. And now they're reaping the reward of their own broken it's system. It's crazy because you're not allowed to go out and say, like, you can't go out and say, hey, sell your Bitcoin. But you, an article can be written about how dangerous it is. So CNBC and their friends, they could write an article saying, it's really bad to buy this. Don't do it. Meanwhile, the billionaires are laughing all the way to the bank. And the working class people are the ones getting screwed over. Tim, you, you made your point wonderfully. I just want to repackage and restate your point. To, to me, my interpretation of your point. I think America tried to speak through politics, through the ballot. Hey, we don't like politicians, so we're going to elect a reality TV star. Yeah. Then now that they've totally rejected that, they've turned to, okay, we're going to take money from you to try to express our dissatisfaction. So it goes from the ballot to the dollar, and the only option left is the gun. Those are the, those are yeah. the, what was that saying about the boxes? Yeah. The, the ballot belt, box and uh, the cartridge box or whatever, some saying like that. Box, yeah. I'm scared of that. Now, I'm scared of the idea that if people are, are told that you're not even allowed to play the game, like the rich people get special privileges. You know what I saw in Barron's this, this magazine? They said we need a 30-day stop on GameStop, GameStop stocks because these poor, unsophisticated investors oh. are going to be hurt by this. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Look, some dude takes his check. He's got 600 bucks. He pays his rent. He's got a couple hundred bucks left. You know what his worst case scenario is? When that, when this person puts 200 bucks into some stock and it crumbles, he lost 200 bucks. I'm sure, I'm sure he or she will be upset about it. They will be upset about it. But with these hedge funds, these hedge funds are going to lose billions. So no, they're not concerned about the poor, unsophisticated investor who might lose a couple hundred bucks. They've never cared about these people. They're worried about their buddies and their hedge funds, which are going to lose billions. And that's it. System crumbles. You know, Tim, without government, who's going to make sure that the stocks don't rise too quickly? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, and and, and that, that's what, exactly what's happening here. And it's so absurd because we're having people invest in a company, invest in the stock market, something that a government should see and say, yeah, that's great. People are investing and having trust in our big financial institutions that are usually rigged against them. But because they're so rigged, because they're so manipulated, people are using those same tricks and they're they're having a mirror to this corrupt, nasty little witch that is the financial system. And it's finally seeing itself in its own reflection. And it's saying, oh, my goodness, I am ugly. I created these rules and these rules are slapping me upside the head and I'm becoming a lot uglier as the time we, goes on. Let's talk about this Trump as a article. This is an amazing article. Yeah. All right, check this out. From CNN, how Trumpism explains the GameStop stock surge. Uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't. But uh, let's read anyway from Chris Saliza. He says at the core of Donald Trump's angry populist appeal was and is this sentiment, quote, the elites think they know better than you. They think they can tell you how to live and what to believe. But guess what? We, the people, are smarter than the elites. 
Let me stop you right there, Chris. Yes. That's the fact. elites do think that. <laughs> and we, the people, as a decentralized, distributed computing network, are smarter than you. It's why communism doesn't work, because a, a committee can't figure out how to distribute resources better than a decentralized network of individuals who are seeking the things they need and want. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist. I think there are still problems there. But yeah, we see it in computing. A, dis- a distributed network is better than a single point of failure. I digress. He says Trump elucidated this argument in its purest form at a rally in North Dakota in 2018. When he went on his rift, quote, I meet these people. They call them the elite. These people, I look at them. I say, that's elite. We got more money. We got more brains. We got better houses, apartments. We got nicer boats. We're smarter than they are. And they, and they say they're elite. We're the elite. You're the elite. We're the elite. So I said the other day, Let's keep calling these people and let's face it, they've been stone cold losers, the elite, the elite. So let them keep calling themselves the elite, but we're going to call ourselves. And remember, you are indeed, you work harder, but you are indeed smarter than them. Let's call ourselves from now on the super elite. We're the super elite. Chris says what made Trump's argument so potent, politically speaking, is that he wasn't just calling out the elites. He was saying that the average Joes needed to rise up and actually show them how wrong they were, that voting for him. Voting him for him was the best way to express their anger and frustration with the condescension of the alleged betters. Donald Trump offered himself up as a collective middle finger to the elites, and he won. All of which brings me to the current seemingly inexplicable stock surge of GameStop, the video game seller that has made its money over the years thanks to its location in malls. Now, from here, we get kind of the point. I got to tell you, for the most part, he's bringing up the correct point in kind of the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's not Trumpism. Trump did not create this. Trump is a symptom of this. Guess what? The elites have been saying we're smarter than you. They have been using revolving door politics where the people from the biggest corporations get the jobs in government overseeing the same company they just worked for as CEO or starting wars and selling the bombs from government back to their friends, those companies. We know what they do and we know the games they play. We know the bailouts they get. When they fail, they they say, oh, well, we have to save them. They're too big. But when mom and pop shops fail, they say, sorry, too bad. Why don't you apply for unemployment? Maybe six months will kick you a check. That doesn't isn't enough to buy a loaf of bread. Yep. More importantly, let's even talk about schools. I'm not a fan of college, but they are they are telling these people your only choice is to go to college, racking up massive debt for young people who find no way out. The system is crumbling. The elites have been milking it and extracting it forever. And it's gotten to the point where people are saying enough. And now the best part is the left and the right are both laughing as this happens. But to claim it's Trumpism. No, you see, Trump was the imperfect avatar for people who felt this anger. But there are people who couldn't agree with his policies. As a man, he couldn't represent this this entity well enough. With Trump gone, that entity is now in its purest form, the rage of the people staring at the elites who have been stripping out their value and kicking them down and mocking them is now just been unleashed. And this is what we get. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi, man. Yes. Struck him down. Now he's a a being of light. Uh, Chris, the author of this article, actually tweeted it. And the number one response right now is a picture of Ralph with a flute in his nose (laughs) with 1,500 likes uh, right now. And I'm I'm reading some of the replies. And uh, a lot of people are just like, what are you talking about? And, and, And you're right. He had a hard time explaining what was happening. So he just did the laziest thing he could and said, it's just it's just all because of this one. Guy. Trumpism. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this story. I'm not endorsing what I'm about to share the story, 
but I live in middle America. I live in Tennessee. I live in Nashville. And the problem with a lot of the media, they live in New York or L.A. They're totally disconnected from real people. I live in Nashville, right downtown. It's a very popular bar across the street from me. I went and watched Sunday football. There was a young man in the bar wearing a hat and he was with a big group of people and he walked by to go to the bathroom. I said, what's on your hat? And it said, make politicians afraid again. Oh. And that's the sentiment you have in the South, in Tennessee, where I live. Nashville is a relatively uh, liberal city. It's had a liberal mayor, a Democratic mayor since like the 1960s or 70s. But that guy's sentiment on his hat that he's wearing out in a crowded bar, everybody watching football, no one bats an eye at thinking like that. And so you're right. Again, Trump, imperfect avatar. But the if we let people express their anger through the ballot, it's a lot better than these other methods that they're going to go to. And if we don't restore some integrity in our election process, we're just, you know, we're headed for civil conflict. Well, I got this quote. This is uh, uh, the four boxes of liberty, which we briefly mentioned. They say Larry McDonald, a politician from Georgia and former president of the John Birch Society, has also been quoted omitting the caution to use bullets as the last resort. Quote, we have four boxes with which to defend our freedom. The soap box, the ballot box, the jury box and the cartridge box. The term is used in newspaper articles and has been used in a petition to the Supreme Court of California. Four boxes and derivatives have been used in the name of various websites that espouse patriotism and the right to bear arms. I, have, I think there's a better quote um, that's probably safer to use. Those that make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. And that was, we talked about Kennedy, John Kennedy who said yeah. that. Mm. And so it's similar. When people soapbox and they stand up and say, this must happen, and then big tech bashes them over the head and knocks them to the dirt. Well, then they go to the ballot box. They cast their mm. votes. Then we saw Trump bring people to the jury box, sort of. They went to the courts. They, they tried. tried. Getting, they tried. And then what we saw was people storm the Capitol. So it's a low grade version. And it's scary because we don't want conflict. We want people to like figure out a path forward. But I tell you right now, what we're seeing with this, this, this GameStop Wall Street stuff is populist anger. You know, what's funny is there are a lot of establishment Democrat types who are scared of the word populist. They don't know what it means. You're either a populist or you're an elitist. I understand it's not absolute, but the general idea is for, of, and by the people or for the establishment elites, the cronies, the people with the money, the people born in the wealth. The way I look at populism is popular ideas for the, pop, for, for the population, ideas that the people want and need. So when you have the left and the right completely disagreeing on how to implement the policies to make things better, but completely agreeing the establishment is crooked and corrupt and cheering this on, well, then we are seeing some kind of raw unified force. It's not going to be it's not going to be politically unified because that's that, you know, the politics, the political parties and the ideologies are more of effigies or, or avatars of this this ideology or anger. Now, what we're seeing now is pure rage. Like when you see people go out in the street and riot, pure rage. There's nothing. There's no rhyme or reason. What we're seeing now with Wall Street bets is just digital. It's online. It's more strategic. But a lot of people are throwing their money behind this, not expecting to get rich. Tim, do you think, because my concern as a black person is I'm wondering, it's like when I'll have a conversation with my mother about all of this, and she's so into democratic politics, she's such a Barack Obama, I'm not even sure if she fully understands what's going on in this country, 
as it relates to working class versus the elite. My mother was a 30-year factory worker. She is as working class as it comes. But she's so into democratic politics that I think she thinks she's an elite because of the life that I provide her, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I think she thinks she's an elite. And everything to her, or I don't want to speak for her, but for a lot of black people, everything comes down to race. Trump supporters, they're racist. So it doesn't matter that they stormed the Capitol and confronted white politicians. That was racism. That was. <laughs> it's the divide and conquer. Now, first, I'll, I'll say it again because I think they accomplished nothing by doing yeah. this storming the Capitol. But divide and conquer, man. When we had Occupy Wall Street, Luke and I met at Occupy Wall Street and we're like on, on you know, mere images. Idea, I, we, we both took the political compass task, test. I'm center left, Luke center right. But we met at the same place. Because Occupy Wall Street att- attracted libertarian types, right, and caps, anarcho-communist leftists, but something disrupted all that, identity politics. That came in and dominated the discussion, and it pushed out anybody else who might actually align. And so that, that, that was divide and conquer. Yeah, I mean, that's why a few weeks ago we were talking about this, and I'm like, there's going to be a huge anti-establishment swell that's going to come after people realize about how... Joe Biden is invested in the special interests that don't serve them, that screw the American people. I think we're seeing the first steps of this, and I think we still have a lot more to go, a lot more to do. And I think this is going to become more and more prevalent as we're going to see this kind of new emergence of a new kind of Occupy Wall Street populist movement that's going to be against the establishment. We're seeing it here. I I mean, I was telling you it's going to happen a few weeks ago. I think we're at the beginning of it. It might be the stock thing. It might be another thing. But uh, I, I think we're headed towards a lot of people being extremely discontent with the current system, realizing it, organizing and moving forward. I mean, we're seeing almost close to civil wars breaking out in places like Holland right now over, of course, the lockdown issues. And that's only just one issue out of many issues that people are getting screwed over with. Look at Vladimir Putin saying in Davos, we're we're in an era that was just like pre-World War II. And so we're dangerously close to something truly traumatic and devastating in this planet. we, We talked about this before, the mass printing of money. Do you know that Somewhere around like 60 to 66% of all U.S. dollars were printed in the past like 10 months around, around that. Never happened before. And so you have to imagine there's going to be some rapid and dramatic instability or mass divide between the rich and the poor getting worse. Economic inequality leads to serious economic instability. Angry poor people come up, come out, show up with pitchforks when they realize there's no path forward for them. And that if you're going to, you know, you look at some of these places where there's oligarchy. San Francisco is essentially a big tech oligarch. You got, there's so much human waste littering the streets of San Francisco. You heard about, the, you, you know about this story? No. San Francisco has their own poop department. It's funny, right? Ha ha, we laugh. No, it's, it's serious. My, you know, you can say that Chicago's got a Chicago fire department. They got the Chicago PD. And then you can say they got animal control and whatever public services. San Francisco has a poop department. They deploy people to clean human waste off the streets, but they have some of the most wealth, the wealthiest individuals on the planet living in the Bay Area in, and working in these areas. How can that be? The, 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 the divide is massive. People start to realize that the wealthy elites are rigging the game to make sure they never lose and you never win. And then people are going to lose it. Yep. They're going to get mad. Now, this, we, 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 I'm basically going to re- reiterate a point we made earlier. But now looking at how people are like, oh, we can play this Wall Street game too, right? Nope. 
Yep. They'll change the rules on you. Yep. Uh, Glenn Greenwald had a very, uh, you know, very, very important tweet today. He said, quote, pitch perfect expression of defining neoliberal mentality here. We have an extraordinary political and cultural conflict involving intergenerational wealth, vast disparities of power and a deeply corrupt financial system. And this is all the Biden White House has to say about it. And it's the White House press secretary responding, saying that they have a first female treasury secretary. <laughs> so so that that larger discontent. And her name is Angela Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Former Federal Reserve Chairman Janet Yellen. But, uh, you know. And you know what we need? It, it's we need the workers of the world to unite and uh, show. I'm kidding. Huh. <laughs> Short squeeze these companies. No, it, it, it is funny. I made that joke the other day, but I'll make it again. Uh, I just love seeing left and right come together because the the identity politics divide was what helped destroy the unity around uh, Occupy Wall Street. It became a very leftist thing when it was actually a very anti-establishment thing. It was like the big banks were getting bailed out off our backs and we were suffering because of it and everybody was mad about it and then all of a sudden some kids showed up and they were like but you're white and then all of a sudden the conservative types who were down were like this is creepy and weird and left i remember talking to some 60 year old Mm. couple they were conservatives and they were down there and they had american flag and they were like we don't like what they're doing to this country and they're you know extracting our wealth and all the stuff but within a couple weeks it was just far left Identity politics, progressive stack, whiteness, and you know cis heteronormativity and things like that. And so, is today perhaps a moment of optimism? Oh yeah, not for the uh, hedge funds. <laughs> no, but <laughs> for, for them it's the apocalypse. For, normal people. for us that, because again, I am anti-elite. That that is probably our connection. Is I can't stand elites. Yep. Uh, and that's despite, and a lot of people say, well, man, you make too much money to hate elites. No, I don't. There, if I made all the money in the world, I would still hate elites. There's a big difference between, <laughs> you know, some somebody who comes up and makes money and, be, and becomes successful and has lived through it, and the people who are born into massive billion-dollar wealth. I'm talking like the true global elite class. And when you guys say, like, globalist or elitist or any of that, are you talking about people, I assume you're talking about people with offshore bank accounts or... Um, I'm talking about... The media who panders to the elite, everybody on basically mainstream media, the cable news networks, they all pander. They're their spokespersons. Spokespersons. They're their PR department. That's what news is today. And And then politicians pander to elites and then the elites who have all the money. Like global bankers that don't adhere to any government. Phil Knight, Nike. Like I'll I'll tell you what, (laughs) Elon Musk is the elite of the elite. He's the richest guy on the planet, isn't he? Yeah. No. Well, he is. He be. There's got to be like Saudi kings and stuff. Oh, well, stuff. Putin. I think Putin, Putin is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Secretly. That's okay. A, that's what On I've the heard. books, Elon On the books. is. But he's more wealthy than Bezos? Yeah, no. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It just happened to like a month ago. recently. I, I, don't, I, I like Elon Musk. I love him. He's tweeting this out. He's promoting yeah. it because he, listen, I'm not, my, my issue isn't necessarily with the, you know, and probably we should clarify this too, the ultra wealthy. I mean, if you make cool stuff, if you're building spaceships and you're making cool cars and you're doing things that people like and you're inspiring people, I don't care if you're rich. I like that you're rich. I'm happy. Yeah. If you invent the light bulb and you make people's lives better, please like let you be wealthy. You know, like it's awesome. But when you have these politicians who make money off insider knowledge with the government, they rig the game. They the regulators rig the game and they use the media to trick you. These people yeah. are the corruption in our society that are stealing from us. I'm not saying every politician or every trader or every fund. I'm saying there are bad ones. Majority of them. If you remember, last year, almost exactly this time, there was an entire scandal because there was Senate hearings where they talked about COVID and COVID coming to the United States. What did 
senators, politicians do with that advanced knowledge that was classified, not available to everyone? Well, hold on, hold on. You're talking about Leffler and I think, was it Purdue? Was it, was it, that, was so. it them? I think it was them. There they, was, sure. yeah. Go, well, so just, just specifically, they said, oh, no, 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 that wasn't us because we don't have control of these things. But I don't care. Yeah. When, when you have Nancy Pelosi buying Tesla stock a month ago and then Joe Biden announces he's going to sh- switch the entire federal fleet to electric cars, guess who makes millions and millions of dollars? Is it a coincidence that she did this right before Biden was about to come in and do this? Maybe. I mean, Tesla was a good bet. So maybe it was a coincidence. But there's a big problem when you have your, your politicians are overwhelmingly millionaires and extremely wealthy. What's like half of Congress? They're all millionaires. And they don't get paid that money with, with a salary. So, so where do they get all of that money? That's the big question that people need to start asking right now. Coca-Cola. Other companies like that. They get money. They get bribes. Well, no, I'm sorry. They're not called bribes. They're called... Um Lobby, 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 yeah, lobby. super PAC money being funneled in, which you can then you no, know, you what they do is the nonprofits. That's the big trick. They'll they'll someone will say, look, we can't pay you the money. It's illegal. But how about you join the board of our charity and we'll put 50 million dollars in it. And then you can use that money as an as an executive or chairman of this company. Do whatever you want. There's ways to give people resources and money through loopholes. And it's the game they play. So when you see people like um I think it was Biden. The Biden family had like some kind of cancer charity, mm-hmm. paid a bunch of salaries, ran out of money, and then just shuttered. I could be wrong about that, so that's probably wrong, but something like that. You see a lot of stories where all of a sudden some super rich person or some politician, the Clinton Foundation, I mean, yeah. How much money were they bringing in from who while uh, Hillary was uh, Secretary of State? Yeah, that was I mean, going on, right? Even with Mr. Epstein involved in that entire mess, but that doesn't get how really he investigated involved? or looked into. He was bragging about how he started the Clinton Global Initiative. I got kicked out from their meetings and banned for, for four years when they were still holding committee meetings because I made sure to show up and to ask some serious questions. Uh, they put me on a do not enter list, but uh, without you know saying too many of the key words here, there's a lot of bad people tied into a lot of lobbying efforts that were directly tied into the Clinton Global Initiative. We, we got some breaking news. Wall Street Bets has returned, everyone. Actually, mm-hmm. returned a few minutes ago. To Reddit, yeah. But I pulled up this message. Stay calm. A quick explanation about why the sub is now private. So this is a message from when they were private. Now that they are public, we can read this. And here's why they went down. Mod- this is from a Manis says, hello, approved friends. The situation here is delegate. Obviously, with the deletion of our discord due to TOS violations, the moderators here are dealing with an existential threat to our community. While in the past, automated moderation using bots has been an effect has been effective for dealing with human users violating the Wall Street Bet sub TOS. I think I think a has a has been reached where the quantity and quality of posts primarily by bot accounts has likely overwhelmed our moderator resource. Please remember that moderators on Reddit are unpaid volunteers. They are likely working on a way to one prevent bots from creating ridiculous quantities of noise. The community up and down voting system doesn't work when there are endless bots able to downvote posts by non-bot accounts. Similarly, even with eliminating accounts to those registered in the past 45 days, people have been sitting on thousands, potentially millions of accounts that were registered in the past purely in case there was a need to obfuscate legitimate content and concerns. This has been a tactic used by nation states for other websites such as Facebook, Twitter, and more. I don't see why powerful groups wouldn't employ this tactic as well. They say, two, refresh the rules surrounding Wall Street bets etiquette. And three, work with Reddit to identify how to safely operate and manage this subreddit. So remain calm, trust in our moderators, try not to spout any memes or offensive material, and check back later. They will find a solution. My friends, in 2015, Reddit was dominated by the Donald. It was just massive. You go to the front. You, are you familiar with Reddit, right, Jason? 
No, not really. I mean, I'm, you know, no. you know what it is. Like it's a social media website. Yeah. Essentially. People post links and then you can give an upvote or a downvote. And the more upvotes it gets, the higher invisibility it appears. Exactly. And then eventually it goes to the front page. The Donald is always dominating all like r slash all like it's every subreddit. The Donald, Donald Trump memes, jokes, fun, silliness. They memed Donald Trump into office. That was the Internet discovering their hive mind powers with helping Donald Trump win. Now, the the fat cat elites were caught off guard. You see, with Donald Trump, they got the, the Donald subreddit got first deranked. They were accused of all this craziness and then they were banned from the front page. They became a restricted or quarantine subreddit where you had to, like, confirm your email and then bypass some filter to actually get to the forum to see the memes and the posts about Trump. No longer would these pro-Trump memes appear on Reddit unless you sought it out. One day, the Donald decided we're at risk of being banned. So we're going to create our own clone called the Donald.win, a separate website that functions the same. They left. This, the, the, the community started existing on its own, totally independently. And then four months later, even though the moderators had basically shut down the Reddit version of it, the admins for Reddit banned them and claimed they were posting hate speech or some other nonsense, which is weird because they had been operating entirely in a different website. So why did they get banned on Reddit? It seemed coordinated on purpose. Now the Donald has become patriots.win because Donald Trump is no longer president. But this was a sign that things were changing. People realized big companies, fat, uh, you know, these, these fat cat elites, these establishment elites realized the power of Reddit and its influence, how it helped Trump win. Now, when you go to Reddit and you go to r slash all, which is just a directory for every post in their rankings, you'll see like three or four pages of Bernie Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez and all far left. That was the, the, the political people realizing we need to control the ballot box or effectively the soapbox. Those who would speak and speak up, can't speak up for Trump, ban them, promote far left. And they did. And so you'll often see in the politics tab and the news tab, it's all far left stuff. But what they didn't count on is that many of these people with this anger towards the elite and the establishment were still functioning, but focused on the finances. And much like they went after Donald Trump, they took them a while to realize that Donald was providing Trump this resource, this, this soapbox. Now Wall Street bets is there. And it's embodied that anger. Trump is out. It's pure rage at this point. And now they're going after something outside of politics, finances. I think it's only a matter of time before Reddit panics and then does the same thing, prevents this community from functioning, bans them outright and claims hate speech. What, what the concerns me is when someone has a, a forum and then one of their enemies decides to make an account and start saying nasty stuff. Exactly. Get them and False like, flag. Yeah. And then Reddit will be like, well, there's hate speech. The whole thing's getting the ax. That's what happened with the Donald. You see, if I were to tell you that the Donald was posting violent threats against police, would you believe me that, that Trump supporters were posting violent threats against no. police? That's what they claimed they were doing. They claimed that there were people in the Donald subreddit threatening cops. And when I saw that, I laughed. You got to be kidding me. The people waving the cop flags. They're the ones threatening. You go to the Antifa subreddits, the anarchist subreddits. All they do is threaten cops. Reddit said, well, you know, it's uh, threatening people. And I was like, BS. You know, it probably was far leftists or establishment Democrat types with powerful interests could very easily just go to the Donald, create an account and then post something nasty. And that's it. And then they submit themselves. They, they make the post, log into a different account and submit it to Reddit and say, hey, look, hate speech. Hey, look, a threat. Yep. And it happens a lot. And uh, Elon Musk, by the way, just tweeted, quote, even Discord has gone crow poor. 
<laughs> so Crowpore <laughs> dot 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 dot, uh, and and of course he's responding to Discord taking down Wall Street bets because of alleged hate speech. What's Crowpore? Um, Thank you. C R C O R P O. That's what you are. Corpo. Corpo. Yeah. Like yeah. corporate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dot yeah. dot dot. So I mean, you you can't you can't let the people rise up, man. You can't let that the hive gain power. So they stopped Donald Trump. Donald Trump was memed into existence, man. I mean, I know he exists, but I mean like the presidency. Yep. I watched it happen as a mines admin. It was slow and insidious. The memes were just funny. The jokes and everyone shared it and it worked and it worked. The Pepe the Frog. Wall Street bets. Trump's hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This this may not be connected, but I just want to throw it out there. Just ask the question. Does the Drudge Reports pivot connect to any of this at all? I don't know. That's weird though, right? The Drudge used to be like, right wing and now they're not yeah well <laughs> like, they turned they they were very pro-trump they turned against trump so did uh rupert murdoch and all of his institutions uh especially the daily mail especially a lot of people accuse fox news of doing this obviously not sean hannity and tucker carlson but the other kind of reporting that happened there but there was one definitive switch where any kind of support in the institutions went away dramatically and some people said that was because of personal arguments that donald trump had with uh you know uh, rupert murdoch so that's also a possibility here that we have to understand. So we got a shout. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I, I'll say the unity. Check this out. This is on uh, Wall Street bets. They say we got a shout out, bros. Hashtag GME. <laughs> AOC tweets. Gotta admit, it's really something to see Wall Streeters with a long history of treating our economy as a casino. Complain about a message board of posters also treating the market as a casino. I love it. Props AOC. Let's bring on this unity. I will absolutely stand side by side with all of the leftists and right wing whoever if we're go- if we're talking about the establishment elites and their manipulative games to steal our money. I'll take it. I'll take the win. We can argue the politics and policy stuff after the fact, but this is what they were most afraid of. The left and the right realizing that as working class people, as the non-elite, as the non-establishment, they got more in common. Like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are basically part of the same political party as far as I'm concerned. There's no question about it. I, I, I'm, I still think this identity politics thing is really strong. And maybe that's just me as a black person because I know the influence of Black Lives Matter. And that will potentially stand in the way of people awakening from my community to like, hey, no, no. Because that, that's all I've been trying to promote probably my entire career is like, hey, man, working class people, you have far more in common than you have in contradiction or in conflict with each other. If you can just get past the race thing, you'll see you guys are natural ally. We're natural allies, but they've used this race thing so effectively. You know, the whole democratic platform seems to be, you know, pull that lever for white people, it's pull that lever and no one can call you racist. Yeah. And for black people, pull that lever and no one can call you a coon or an Uncle Tom. And it's worked. <laughs> it blows my mind. You know, that that's their platform. You know, what really blew my mind is when the RNC had uh, that that a few speakers come up who are black. Yeah. And then the left started calling them tokens. Yes. And I'm like, you complain they're not diverse enough, so they say okay, <laughs> and they put forth some black speakers, and then you say they're tokenizing them. I'm like, there's no winning, is there? No matter what they do, they're racist. I don't even like the word black and white because, like, we're not. Me and you aren't white or black. You're you have like a auburn colored skin. I have like a pinkish skin, and like so, these ancient words of like diver- diversion, like they're like, look at that person that's the black. It's like they were never black to begin with. I understand. Divide pigmentation is 
different. Where are you guys at on religion? I'm a Christian. I was raised a Christian. I believe in principles from the Bible, and and that's I I. I I've written and talked about. I don't want to be defined as black. I want to be defined as a Christian patriotic American. That's what I want my identity to be. That's and that's funny, but you're not allowed. You know what I mean? Like you can identify as basically anything you want except for that. Jesus. That's the, that's the bigoted. That's the wrong. You can identify as whatever. I think Jesus know? was tight. I think that the church is like built a business around no question yeah no, no question but but i think so much of our identity is tied to politics now and to me i've never wanted to be judged on that and for for black people i don't understand to me racist slave owners 400 years ago said your skin color is the most important characteristic you have and it limits your freedom and now here we are 400 years later and black people are saying my skin color is the most important characteristic I have, no. and it limits my freedom. Right? It's your Christ- <laughs> it's your Christianity <laughs> in that Christ is means anointed. So to be anointed by by the the Christian means the anointed one, and so they call Jesus the Christ because he was anointed by God. But we're all anointed by God. This energy is flowing through our bodies, and we're able to create with it. You know these we can I touch each totally other with. Agree. Yeah, and that's what we should be focused on. One of the things, anyway. Well, I, I think we're a people, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, I remember growing up and rolling my eyes as a teenager when I would hear things like race is not relevant because we're all human beings. And we all bleed the same. And I'm like, I know I get it. Racism is bad. Now I'm older and they're saying the opposite. The left is like, no, race is everything. Don Lemon goes on TV and says he wants to know that everybody sees him as a black man. And that's, you know, and I'm like, and it's all BS. And I, I wish I could say what I really think, but it, he's, lying. <laughs> he's lying because that's not what's most important to him. I actually, and I'm not trying to be, his sexual identity trumps his racial identity. And you, like you, in terms of what he talks about and what he, you, you what mean, he's most passionate about. Right, right, right. Is, and again, I've asked people all the time. I, I, and, and this is a, if you had a choice, I asked friends of mine, I said, let's say that there was some deal where the government came down and said, Hey, look, you're either going to have to choose being heterosexual or black. Which one are you going to stick with? Hetero. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about that earlier, right. actually. And so I, I said, I say, so go ask Don Lemon that question mm. and see what answer he gets. He's, it's not going to be black. And I, I'm like, so why are, you priori- if you're, why are you prioritizing blackness when it's not your most important characteristic? And again, so if God came down and said, what, I, I'm Christian. I'm American and I'm heterosexual. All that would come before black in terms of if I want to hold on to certain things, I want to hold on to being Christian. I feel incredibly lucky to be born in this country. So I want to be here in America. Yeah. And then I, I, I tend to like women. So I want to hold on to being a heterosexual. Well, I, I, I think when it comes to politics, you've got. You've got high-functioning individuals. I'm not trying to be mean or disrespect anybody, but you've got people who are more logical, less emotional, and you've got people who are more emotional, less logical. And so somebody who's not particularly logical, they they judge a book by its cover. It's an emotional response. They can look at you and see, hey, you look very different from me and what my family looks like. Then they can manipulate and exploit that. They can say, oh, you must be racist. So these are these are low-functioning people who are easily exploited by racial politics, whereas high-functioning people are like, I don't know. People, it's merit. It's it's hard work. Yeah. It's 
what you choose to do. Some people are smarter. Some people are dumber. Some people are stronger. Some people are taller. Some people are shorter. Everybody's different, you know, and we have to respect those differences. But there's there's bigger differences between like there's there's, you know, a white dude who's six foot seven and there's a white dude who's five foot three. And there's a bigger difference between them than like you and me. Race doesn't even play that big of a role. I've asked people all the time if they're even aware that there is a height bias in all of society. The taller you are, the more successful you mm-hmm. tend to be. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it's there's height privilege that. Oh, but they play that. They call they it low hanging yeah. fruit for a reason. <laughs> no, the, 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 the leftists have all of that. Like the, the super critical race. It's not even I, critical race. It's the critical theory yeah. people. They've got, they've got like thin privilege. They've got tall privilege. They got all of it. Heightist, I think, is the name for it. But but again, you bring up a very important point. If if the most important and the most interesting thing about you, if you think it's something superficial, you're not interesting. You're not important yeah. at all. <laughs> you're, you're you're divulging from the actual thing that makes you special, and that's you as a unique human being. And you're either a very bad one or a very good one, or in between. But you decide that, and it's not superficial. It's based on your morals, your virtues, and and in your actions that people don't care about anymore because they care about only how you look which is ridiculous like, and, and dumb to me height it does have some advantages if, if you're yeah. if you're your legs are longer you can run away from lion, hungry lions faster you can reach the fruit that's higher up on the tree easier if your skin is dark you have some advantages if you're trying to hide at night it's harder to see you if you have dark skin whereas, sun doesn't damage me yeah. the way that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. can take more sun damage yeah um, I glow. Well, you don't like, get my, my skin like gl- almost glows at night from like a little bit of ambient moonlight. It, so look, I'll, I'll I'll jump out. So there it, are listen. inherent advantages to the way we look and our shapes and our sizes. But that doesn't mean that we're better or or worse. Well, look, look, it's pros and cons. A tall person's not going to be able to hide as effectively than a short person. Exactly. But they could potentially run faster. So it's really just, you know, the way I've always been, you know, t- uh, growing up with my family, who, of course, you know, it's been mentioned a million times in my various shows is, is mixed race. It's that everybody's dealt a hand, of ca- hand of cards when they're born and you might have a bad hand, but you can still win. You ever watch a poker game where a dude's got like two seven off suit and he still wins because yeah. he played it right. If the blinds are high, you got to go all in. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about it's about strategy. You may not have the best hand in the world, but if you play your cards right, you can get ahead. Or the other saying I like is we can't con- we can't we can't control the wind, but we can't adjust our sails. So some people look in the mirror and they look at themselves and they think it's unfair. I'm wrong. And that's on them, man. It's on you. You can the, succeed if you choose. We talk about um, like what would you call it? like familiarity bias, which seems to be a real thing. Like if you're surrounded by a bunch of people that look like you, then other people that don't look like you are, are uh, different. And so there's this inherent like fear of the unknown. It yeah. seems to be prevalent yeah. in, in our consciousness about it. for some reason. So like I spent time in South America and, and it was noticeable. I stood out like the people had darker skin. I looked like a for, like a foreign person and they would all like look at me like, oh, that's different. And I noticed it firsthand then. And then you see, the thing is people, the first thing they notice is what you look like. So we try very hard and we've succeeded very much so in the past 100 years to realize there's more to people than just what we see. That's why we say don't judge a book by its cover. But now we have this new group of critical race theorists that are saying, no, no, we must judge the book by its cover. Not only that, they're burning books. Hmm. So it's regressive. It's not progress. They're literally reactionaries who are trying to bring us back to the way things used to be. The left likes to call the right reactionary because the, the, the phrase comes from the French Revolution when you had the reaction to the revolution. So those that wanted to maintain the status quo were called reactionary. My friends, what is what is the status quo in this country? How long have we had civil rights in this country? 
So, so uh, you want to tell people how old you are? What's your? I'm 53. So you re- you you seriously remember like when things were substantially more racist in this country? Yes, and my parents certainly reminded me. What was we, it like? Uh, <laughs> look, interracial dating used to be a huge deal when I grew up. A huge. If someone dated outside their race, the whole all the kids talked about it, the parents talked about it, blah blah. It was a big deal. If you lived in a neighborhood. Uh, outside, if you black person lived in a white, it was a big deal. None of that stuff is, and, and first of all, I, the obstacles that I faced, I don't think were anything in comparison to my parents. I was raised with no excuses. You've been put in position and, and keep in mind, and, and I was not put, in, I was put in a great position because I got two supportive parents, but I grew up poor. Me in 1984, my senior year of high school, me and my dad lived in a 400 square foot, one bedroom apartment in the ghetto. But there were no excuses. There was no, my dad was a Booker T. Washington, cast your bucket down, do for yourself. When I lived with him, my senior year of high school, he, he, the IRS had taken everything from him. He hadn't done well with his taxes or whatever, but he was a small businessman in the inner city. Most of my life. And, but there were no excuses. I tried to quit my college football team and I was on scholarship. And both of my parents said, good luck with the rest of your life if you're dumb enough to quit that free college <laughs> education. And it, good luck, Jason. And so there's just no excuses. And I, I really can't, I look we're, back at my child, it was awesome. Weren't, and, weren't you just talking about how you made a bunch of money in stocks? Yeah. Like you're, you're kind of well off and your mom thinks she's an elite now? She certainly lives like one. But I mean, I mean, I mean this. I mean this as a, a sign of the utmost respect that you're talking about how you grew. Up, you, you were in the high school in the ghetto in this tiny apartment, and now it sounds like you're doing really well, man. Yeah, no, I, I've been doing well for a while. But I, now my high school was working class. Where I live with my dad was poor. But I, anyway, I, I have I have lived the American dream. My parents divorced when I was young. I've lived in the hood. I've lived in working class suburbs, per se. And I have worked my way up the left. My first job so out this, of college was $5 an hour. This is, what, this is the point <laughs> I'm trying to get to, just to go back to where, right. you know, where, where I was at. I grew up hearing these stories from my, from my family as well, especially from my mom, who experienced growing up in, you know, before the civil rights era. She was a little, she was a little kid before there was even civil rights law. Yeah. 1967 uh, Civil Rights Act before Loving v. Virginia. So my mom's side of the family, like my mom's side of the family, literally was illegal. This was back when, before the Supreme Court ruled that interracial relationships were allowed. So I think about that and I think about where we've progressed to, right? To a point where we're now saying, don't judge people based on their race. These things aren't important. We need to be human. And what do we get? The critical race theorists have reacted to that racial revolution. The realization that we're human beings, they're reactionary. They want to bring us back to that old status quo of the past several thousand years where people immediately judged everyone based on their race. That is the old status quo we fought so hard to get past so that you could have somebody who's a black man who, who grew up working class and also in bad neighborhoods and became very successful, that you aren't judged by the, by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. To me, that's the stories I grew up with from my family who told me how bad it was and how we won. I'm a little kid and I hear the story. Oh, we won. That fight's over. Now they've come back and they're trying to take us back in time to the Stone Age. I'm not okay with that. I keep thinking like there are differences in genetics 
fine, whatever. That's maybe it's intentional on Earth. You know, you get more sun. If your ancestors got more sunlight, your skin will get darker to handle the sunlight. If you, I think that uh, Asian people are their eyes are like more slanted because they or their ancestors lived in the high winds of the plains of like Is Mongolian plains, so they had to squint a lot. I don't know if that's. I true. don't know. I'm trying to figure out why. That, it could be. It could be just nothing. It well, it's got to be, be something that caused our bodies to shape it differently. It, like it, I think the really some, light-skinned people were they either worked and lived at, at night. The Aryans I've heard they lived would, up north, and and they lived up north with blinding sun, uh, the the snow, so they would blend into their background more. No, they covered up, and they and they it, it didn't matter. They well, were con- there was, was all sorts of possibilities, and, and but they're real, and like our genetics are real. More you have more melanin in your skin. Do you, I don't know if you inherently have more melanin in your skin, and that's why it's darker or uh, pigmentation wise. But it's real. It's like genetically real. Just, so okay, I, look, fine, deal with it. But like, it doesn't mean that we're better or worse than each other. We're you know we're people. Yeah, and and we fought really hard to get to that point where we can break bread together and live together and respect one another. And it is now coming from the left to break us back down and send us back to the to you know pre sixties. Your point that it now is coming from the left is one that I've been pondering. I ha- think that it's always been the left. That the 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 left, the Democratic Party, That's everybody <laughs> says that Lyndon Johnson somehow had this conversion and he stopped being racist and he signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Democratic Party all just changed and they love black people. I don't believe that. I believe that tactics change, that the agenda stays the same. But people adapt different tactics. And that's why last week, and I got a lot of heat for this, for saying, hey, Black Lives Matter Antifa, they operate the way the KKK operated. The KKK was started in the 1860s after the Emancipation Proclamation. It was the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party. The agenda was to impose, force people to support Democratic uh, politics and uh, to keep black people in a substandard condition here in America. I don't think things changed in the 1960s. I think the tactics changed. You could no longer lynch people. Technology basically eliminated that because now people have phones in their homes. You can call the police. The KKK comes to your house and tries to pull you out of there. You can call the police and they come. You can't lynch people anymore. It's too easy to get caught. We started prosecuting people. So we no longer lynch people, but we do bully them through social media campaigns, you have Black Lives Matter, Antifa. They will come to your home and intimidate you. They'll take instead your job. of in, take your way of living. To, instead of burning crosses, we have burning buildings. And then, if you look at the policies that the Democratic Party adopted from the '60s on, the elimination and the destruction of the black family intentional, intentional in my and and so basically we've infused black people. If you just go look at it, we've infused black people with a racist mindset, an anti-black mindset. Instead of the KKK or white racist persons being most likely to use the N-word, it's now us. Instead of the KKK killing us, it's now us killing each other in record numbers in our own communities. It's, It's now, instead of us putting out blackface music or entertainment instead of white people doing that we now have rappers that do that and put out these very negative stereotypes about black people and we celebrate this as our culture 
We have been turned into our own worst enemy. We act and have adopted the mindset of the KKK, and we're doing it at the behest of the Democratic Party. And I'm sorry if that pisses people off. No, I think it's true, dude. You you know that the Black Lives Matter website said one of their goals was to disrupt the nuclear family. They're doing it to other races. I don't even know if we're, are we, is it technically, are we different races? I don't know if that's the right word to use, but whatever. But like, I I hate saying white people. They say uh, the white knight concept of a guy that's like mm-hmm. i side with the feminists so i do, i dislike men like they're turning men against men in that sense or um i should be guilty because of my skin color like they're trying to turn me against that that race or whatever yeah it's about divide and conquer it's a, it's it's just about make people racially conscious so that they have negative stereotypes to people based on race. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of like alt-right people who think that they want white people to dislike themselves or something. No, I think it's just divide and conquer. They don't care who hates who as long as people don't like each other. That way the heat is taken off the establishment. They don't want, I think it started with Occupy Wall Street. Because I remember my first real encounter with the critical race theory crazies was at Occupy. And it was like after I saw conservatives and libertarians down there and I was like, wow, it's crazy. But then it went so it went straight up progressive you know, stack. It really started with nine um, eleven, where they turned us against the the Middle Eastern people. No, no, that and unified the skin us. color. Well, they unified Amer- white America. skin people against dark skin. It people. wasn't about and race, though. It, it, it kind of was. It was, it was about religion. They were like Muslims are dangerous. Put a. But then it was but like it was, who's who's Muslim primarily in the world is people in the Middle East. The target of nine eleven after so after this was Saddam Hussein and the Taliban. Yeah, but they made us it afraid was, of a of a certain people first, like a the xenophobia. It was a target of a country and the idea of terrorism. They unified this country against its perceived enemy, terror, and so there was no heat on the establishment. George W. Bush's yeah. approval rating skyrocketed. This country came together in anger in a direction the establishment could weaponize. But we did. Ian, let me ask it. you this before you go. Are you sure it's any different? And I'm asking. I don't know. The Japanese were responsible, or we say for Pearl Harbor. What nine eleven? They flew planes into the building. I can't be mad at the Middle East people or Saddam Hussein or uh, Osama bin Laden for flying Osama bin Laden for flying those planes into America. I can't be mad at the Japanese for, for Pearl Harbor. I mean, well, those were acts of organized groups and the the anger was pointed at organized. The problem is when the Japanese American civilians got thrown in internment camps because the Japanese empire is that. So like if Osama bin Laden or whoever it was, destroyed some buildings as a small group of terror to go after civilians in our own country in response i thought i think it was heavy-handed sure but for the most part if the establishment can unify this country but as a weapon against thing you know the enemies to empower the establishment like they wanted to go to war in the middle east for a variety of reasons there's strategic positioning around iran then you've got cutter turkey pipeline there's always an excuse for what's going to rally americans but something started changing with mass media when we had Syria and the gas attack, you had a lot of people on the left saying they didn't believe it. They didn't believe the propaganda against Assad. And then you had people on the right saying there's got to be a red line. It wasn't necessarily the right or the left. We're at a point now where they can't unify us because we're mad at them. And every attempt they make to point the finger at someone else, it just comes right back to the establishment elites because we figured it out. The mask has come off. The curtain has fallen. Yeah. We're like, hey, wait the a banks. minute. Hey, wait a minute. You've been manipulating us this whole time. You listen. 9-11 was was a nightmarish scenario for this country. Nightmare. Never forget. And so was Pearl Harbor. And what did they do? They took us at our weakest. 
when we were scared, when we were angry and we wanted justice. And many of us were emotional. I was just a kid. And they said, it was that guy who did it. Go kill him. And we said, yes, sir, for America, we will have justice. And then we realized it was fake. It was a lie. They tricked us. They sent us overseas, this nation, to Iraq and Afghanistan for what? There were no weapons of mass destruction. They weren't involved. It was a lie. They manipulated us at our weakest moment. That's what they do. And now people are finally realizing we are done with this. And so are we So they sure? elected a reality TV guy. Well, well right But before, also, yeah. but I want to ask this because, and this is where I disagree with a lot of people. I think the siege at the Capitol is the most overplayed thing. This alleged insurrection where I never saw one of these Trump supporters that I've seen draw a gun. And, and so I've watched Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell basically stand up and, and they're pulling it off. Oh my God. Did you see the Trump people? They tried to overthrow the government all because we're protecting you and people are going for it. Yeah. Because I'm looking at, I'm like, Hey man, I watched all of 2020 people burn down buildings, loot, riot, kill police officers, and they're acting like this thing at the Capitol was worse than what I saw in Minneapolis, Kenosha, Atlanta, L.A., the stuff that's going on in New York and Chicago, 9-11. And I'm like, hey, man, I've watched the video. I keep looking for this crazy insurrection, and I just don't see it. You You remember the officer? I think it was in Vegas. He was just out because there were riots, or, or uh, and and so he was just standing around. And some one of these rioters is walking away and just turns and fires two shots and keeps walking, hits him in the head, paralyzes the guy. Why? Yet they don't care about this. They don't care about this. Right. It's because the centralized authority. Another problem about having like Congress people. But people are going for this capital thing. It's because I, the people at the Capitol that got most affected by it are the politicians. Yeah. And it's because yeah. that all that power is centralized in these 450 people they, that it's so vulnerable that if those guys get messed with, the whole system shudders. They don't. Well, what happened to them? I think Tim just said he's from the south side of Chicago. I've been in some neighborhoods in Indianapolis where helicopters, gunshots, kids are traumatized on a nightly basis. Nancy Pelosi had some people in a wolf's uniform coming to the Capitol, and she's acting like she's a kid on the South Side that she's been traumatized. I tell you, man, I, I used to spend a lot of my time covering conflict around the world. You know, I worked for Vice. I went to Egypt. I was in Ukraine. It's in Venezuela. And I always had people ask me, like, did you train for this? Like, it's got to be scary. People are shooting. I was in Ferguson. People were shooting live ammo. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm just from the South Side of Chicago. <laughs> I was like, dude, I went to Ukraine. I went to Ukraine during the start of the Euromaidan movement, which eventually led to the ousting of Yanukovych. And you know, there was Molotov cocktails. There were guns. I got surrounded by people. I was in Turkey. I went to one neighborhood where a bunch of guys surrounded me, pushed me up against the wall, and held a Molotov cocktail to my face. And I'm cool as a cucumber, man. I'm like, people are like, aren't you scared? We were filming when that happened too. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just like, dude, in Chicago, you want to talk about growing up with. Like, dude, high school fights where I'm from, people had guns. And so people would scream and run. And we were laughing as we were running from the guns. It's like, it's just you grow up in this, man. Dude, if you're black and my, we're, we've been conditioned. We go to nightclubs where we have to go through metal detectors to get inside the nightclub. Commonplace. Almost every black night, metal detectors to make sure you did, weren't carrying a gun. And so we've been conditioned to normalize this, but, but I, I'm just looking at this capital thing and I'm going, there are kids in communities that are hearing gunshots every night. Their cousins have been killed. 
their their mom, uncle, somebody's been shot. He's ganged up and blah, blah. These kids are traumatized on a daily basis, and no one cares. But the cat, but Nancy Pelosi and oh my God, she hid under a desk or something. It's like it's it's look, it's bad. It is, but you know, Ian's right. It was it's the nucleus. When that got hit, it shook the whole system. Yeah. But I'll tell you why. The establishment elites, the people with power, the politicians, they don't care about you. So they don't when, know when the they're not there. No, they're not getting they're not getting their windows shot up I'm at night. Tell you why. It's true. It's true. But there's but, some truth there. Because no, 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 it's, it's just like it's true. When, when I got here today, you told me that there were no police, basically. Yeah. And that was something I didn't know. Welcome to the wilderness, man. Yeah. That, that was so, there, the, so to clarify, there are cops. But I try explaining this to my, my, my very lefty friends who grow up in cities. I'm like, you realize people who live out in the middle of nowhere don't have a local police department to rush to you. Like, you've got to take care of yourself. For me, that's no big deal. I grew up on the south side of Chicago where you pretty much can't trust the cops anyway to do anything for you. And I, to, to, to be fair, a lot of them are bad cops, but also a lot of them are overwhelmed with how crazy things can get. So I get it. And I've always just been like, I got to rely on myself. But to the point about Pelosi, I think, look. They know what's going on in Chicago. They've not experienced it. I don't think they care. I think they hear about it in the news and they're like, yeah, well, what else is new? And then to them, never experiencing it, finally having, you know, I tell you, when I saw some of these videos of like the bumbling and bewildered, you know, older folks walking through the Capitol, and then I see these people panicking and like ducking and hiding, I'm like, really? Like you've got these pictures of these politicians and they're like laying down hiding. And I'm like... These people, for the most part, weren't armed. Now, I do think there was some real danger because some of these people seem to have been really nuts, really, really crazy. Many of them, I believe most, were probably just befuddled. Like the cops opened the door in several instances and people just walked in with little flags and didn't know what was going on. I was surprised to see, you know, there's this meme. It's really funny. It shows the pe- these politicians laying down and hiding with gas masks on and says, these are the people who send your kids to go fight in wars and die. There you go. Yep. And look the other way as bodies pile up in cities all over America. But if a white cop kills somebody black, the whole country shuts down. Everybody takes a knee at arenas and stadiums all across the country. And George Floyd becomes the MLK of this generation. And and, and I just want to add here, I had a cousin that I helped raise, that I helped, that I loved. I paid for his funeral. Killed by the police, killed by sheriffs in Indianapolis. I am not uncaring about police brutality, but I'm also not a liar. That is not, again, my father never left the hood, built a brand new house in the hood. He carried a 38, he had an uh, alarm system at his home, and it wasn't to protect himself from the police. Let's quit telling that lie. And the Masterpiece Lounge in the inner city of Indianapolis, my favorite place on earth, my dad's bar. We weren't sitting around, oh, my God, hope I can make it home. Hope the police don't kill me on the way home. (laughs) When somebody or when a man walked you to your car, a woman in my dad's bar, it wasn't to protect you from the police. It was from the dudes that walked them streets in that neighborhood. I, I'll never forget the lap. My dad died and I threw a big party at his bar at the Masterpiece Lounge. Just, we're clo- my brother wanted to keep the bar and I was like, Jim, we ain't built for this. We not like my father. We, we, we can't. And we're closing it up at 3 a.m. And right outside the door, the back door, two dudes are beating the living hell out of another dude. Bottles upside the head. And, all. and I can remember I told my brother, I said, 
You think we built to run this business when this is going on every night? This this ain't us. We we too soft for this. You know, I grew up I grew up with some really bad stories about cops. I've had cops kick the door into my apartment. At gunpoint, I've been, while covering a protest in Chicago, surrounded by cops at gunpoint. A lot of just really nasty stuff. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, that's right. You, Luke was filming it. They put the gun to my head after I took out the video camera. <laughs> that's a common occurrence. Yeah, so we, we dealt with this. That was in Chicago. And I'll tell you this, though. I've had some bad experiences, but I've also been saved from a mugging by a group of cops. And a lot of people, I guess, you don't, if you don't experience these things, you don't really get it. But I was, in, uh, I was on the north side of Chicago. And I, I don't know how old that was. I was like 20 years old. I was, I'm broke, hanging out with my friends, crossing the street, and some dude, he comes up to me, and he starts basically threatening me, telling me I got to give him, he, he asked me for my money. Can I have your money, man? Come on, let, let me get your money. I'm just trying to do the right thing. And I laugh. I'm like, I don't got any money, dude. I was like, I'm a 20-year-old dude. I'm broke. And so he kept pressuring me. He had a guy following about 15 feet behind, basically a spotter. Something goes wrong. His buddy comes up and helps him. I pull up my empty wallet, literally nothing but an ID in it. And then he's like, I know you got money in your shoe. I know you got money. You think I'm stupid? I got a knife. And then I started laughing. I'm just laughing. I'm like, what is this guy going to do? Is he going to like frisk me? I don't got money. All of a sudden, it's like it's like a split second. I have no idea what happened. I just get like kind of pushed to the side. And this big dude in this overcoat grabs the guy by the front of his collar, spins him around and slams him into a fence and screams in his face, spit flying, not in my town. And then out of nowhere, two uniformed beat cops are behind me and I'm like, what is going on? They pull me aside like, you okay, sir? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. They cuff the guy, they take his information. They were like, we've been watching these dudes. We're, we're, we're you know, we're tracking them, trying to see, like, we didn't know what they were up to. We're glad we were here. And I was like, cool. It's like, wow. And I, I have more bad experience and positive ones, to be completely honest. But that was an amazing experience where they shook my hand, told me, you know, everything cool, you're all right. Have a good day, sir. We caught him in the act. We don't even need you as a witness. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and that was it. Turns out the guy actually lived on the south side, not too far from me, by the way. So it's a funny story. But I think people, you know, get too much of the negative propaganda when it comes to cops because it's shocking and it, 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 it plays well. It gets shares. Worldview by anecdotes. Yeah. Yep. Rather than data, facts. And we have an anecdote driven society. And that's very dangerous. And I don't understand why. Congress, our lawmakers haven't focused in the biggest spreader of misinformation, disinformation, information that makes people vibe. It's it's Twitter. It's not Parler. Yeah, Twitter. And and they never go after Twitter. It's I don't. Jack Dorsey to me is one of the five most powerful people in America. Mm-hmm. Who is he? Did we vet this guy? Is he's not an elected official? But he gets to decide public discourse, the tone of it, who gets to speak, whose voice gets amplified. The guy has an incredible amount of power, and I don't know who he is. And neither I don't think most of America knows who he is. It seems ridiculous that we're shutting down Parler and no one's looking at Twitter. I, and Facebook, protected. too. My buddy posted a video that has uh, – it's a clip of Anthony Fauci saying, masks – you don't need masks are not needed. They they don't do what you think they do. They give people a false sense from, of security. It's from like I think end of March or April. And or then Facebook or maybe even May. masked it and said this has partially false information. <laughs> and then it's like what the <laughs> Fauci it's, was it's wrong. Him. It was out of context. It was just a clip. But it was he was very clear saying you don't need them. They they yeah, don't give you the yeah. the benefits well, you think they it's do. Old. 
It's it was, an old video. So his position has changed. Man, he was emphatic. And well, he's been in the well. industry for 70-some, or he's 80, 70. So he's been doing this for decades. And for him to not know, after 30 years of serving in this uh, in his position, to not know that well, masks are yeah, effective well, well, or not. Well, now he wants you to wear two of them? Yeah. And three. Within, CN- like, CNBC <laughs> wants you to wear three of them. So he spent 20 or 30 years studying this stuff. And then within eight months, he completely did it a 180 degree oh, yeah. turn. Yeah. There, there, wasn't there a meme where like you said someone's smothering their grandma with a pillow? Yes. <laughs> it's the like, only is, way is, to be sure. Is these enough ma- are these enough masks? <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, everybody. Let's jump to Super Chats and, and take y'all comments. If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And more importantly, we're going to have a bonus segment. I shouldn't even call it bonus segment anymore. Just members only content over yeah. at TimCast.com. So we're, we're trying to do more, talk about more stuff, more issues and things that typically we get kind of hard to talk about because of censorship on social media. So TimCast.com is really our opportunity to do whatever we want. We're going to be filming some more behind the scenes stuff as well. And, uh, we're going to, oh, I shouldn't say too much, but we're going to do some on the road stuff talking about guns and, and survival stuff just to, you know, just to get more, more, more content and show you behind the scenes stuff. I mentioned this as we go to our first super chat because they'd be ragging on us. All right. Petty says, Hearing you guys talk about guns is almost as frustrating as hearing Ian talk about things other than how banking is evil. You'll catch up eventually, though. All right. All right. Listen, I've never pretended to be an expert. I I always say, like, I'm a new gun guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's only been just over a year, not even a year for me so far. We're all learning and we're open to learning more. We're not always right. Fact check everything yourself. And, And another thing, there is a gun culture in person, which is absolutely incredible and amazing when you're on the range and you meet certain people. But online, especially oh, when it comes to people's opinions about guns, holy cow, watch out. I don't know anything. I'm a noob. I'm a novice uh, compared to all the... I mean, the best things I could do is literally post uh, you know, something that I'm doing with firearms. I'll get so many critiques. And thank you. I, I'm, I'm willing to get better. I'm willing to listen to them. Some of them are right. Some of what? them are wrong. But uh, I'm willing to get better anytime. So thank you for your constructive criticism. So I'll say this too, Mr. Petty. All right. Now we're we're you know we here on Timcast IRL we're tough as nails so you can criticize us all day and night. I actually try to read the very critical uh, messages about us too. I won't shy away from them. You know, recently we did a segment where we talked about the Jacobin magazine cover with Joe Biden as Jesus, and we thought it was serious. I think that's mostly my fault because you know Jack and Luke couldn't even see it. Yeah, and I took it seriously. And later on we were like, oh, that was satire, wasn't it? I got roasted. I got roasted, and I deserve it. And Kyle Kalinske did a segment. It was really funny. I laughed. He's like, oh, Tim, 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 what are we going to do with you? And I was laughing. I was like, you got me. You got me. I screwed up. I thought it was funny. I'll own up to it, man. But I would just say to the people who uh, uh, we've got a lot of comments about, like, you guys know what you're talking about. Have on some some expert. We're trying. And I think uh, a lot of people online, you should, uh, you know. Flies with honey, not vinegar. You know what I mean? Well, I appreciate the constructive criticism. Thank you. Uh, we're always, uh, we always could be better. I want to have right. a, an expert on dreams on the show. So where we are, I had some it. crazy dreams today, like super vivid. I thought I was there. What time? Like four in the afternoon or Got something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were I don't remember. I was asleep. <laughs> sleep. I'm warped. All right, all right. Let's read a super chat. We got Jesse Pyle saying Jason Whitlock is the man. Fact. Outstanding insight and journalism. Much wisdom and looking forward to your group's discussion. Right on. Well, we had the discussion. It's an earlier super chat. These are from earlier. A lot of people were pointing out the Wall Street bets back up. We we yes, did see yes. that eventually. Gareth Green says, Pool Sunbay or Pool Appa, if you prefer. I am the heir of a wealthy family, and I have been personally hurt and offended by leftist populist rhetoric for my entire life. I always thought that the rhetoric of the Occupy movement was hate and bigotry against me. 
I get it. I do. And I think there's too much where like we need to clarify what we mean and what we're really mad at. So when the left says tax the rich, what they only sometimes clarify and should do more often is that they're referring to the exploitation, the people stripping value from the working class, not those that genuinely do good and earn it. And when we are talking about the elites and stuff, I point out, like, I actually think Elon Musk is really cool. I don't think he's perfect. I think he's done some really dumb stuff. But I don't think, you know, my, my concern is, are you ripping people off? Are you evil? Are you stealing from people and hurting them? If you're a good person who helps people and they lift you up for it, that's awesome. I think that's great. My problem with elites, let's take, let's stay in the sports lane. LeBron James. I have a problem with him. He's an elite. And I don't think he says things publicly that he actually believes. I think he caters his comments to how they'll be, will they be popular over Twitter? And I see so many people on the left or uh, these influencers say things I'm like, is that what you would tell your child? The, the same thing you're saying over the excuses you're making, uh, the advice you're giving, is that the same thing you would tell your child? I just think they're, they're just too dishonest. I once heard someone on the left say that uh, during this whole Black Lives Matter deal that they, that he and his wife had forbid his 17, 18 year old son from driving anymore out of fear that he would be assassinated by the police. And, and so we make him take Uber because we're so afraid of a, and I'm like, are you being serious? What, what city do you live in? And the person lived in Houston. And I was like, go check the stats. 17 year old black boys. If they're going to die by gun violence, go see if it's the police or if it's not another 17 year old black kid. And then tell me, so are you forbidding your black son from hanging out with black kids? But you're going to forbid him from driving out of fear of the cop. It's that kind of dishonest rhetoric, hyperbolic rhetoric that I find yep. offensive and it makes me despise these people. Yeah, and it never deals with the root cause of the problem. It's never going to fix the problem because it obfuscates it so people don't even understand the reality of it. There you And again... And again, I've had bad experiences with the police, one in particular. But even in my bad experience with the police, and it was bad. It went on for about 30 minutes in South Carolina 25 years ago. Compliance got me out of it, got me home in bed to be pissed off at them. Nothing happened to me. Yeah. Comply. I have friends who are police officers. Just comply. And again, c complying and killing them with kindness, because I, I, I've... I like to drive fast. I, I no longer drive, but when I did, I drove really fast. If I had a chance to go over 100 miles an hour, I went over 100 miles an hour. Pulled over many times. I got out of so many tickets just killing police officers with kindness. Just killing them. They'd be mean to me, and I would still, officer, I'm so sorry. It was so stupid of me to do that. I get a warning <laughs> ticket. I get a, it, most of the time, I get a warning. It's incredible. People don't get it, man, that cops are people who are at work. Like, how would you feel if you're at work and then someone did something that bothered you? You'd be like, or like they're breaking the rules. You're like, dude, I got, I'm doing this thing. Here you are. You got to be like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I'm not trying. I know you're frustrated. You probably just want to go home, see your kids, have a burger. Last thing you want to do is be dealing with some smart, some smart aleck mouthing off at you. I see these videos where people are like shouting their rights at them. And I'm like, I get it. I respect it. I would never do that. I just, I just try to be tactful and, and, you know, understand the circumstances. I if if my goal 
with anybody. If it's, hey, I want to get a phone number from a girl, I'm going to kill her with kindness. I'm not going to tell her I have a right to her phone number. Uh, if I want to get out of a situation with the police with a warning ticket or not getting arrested, I'm going to, you're the best way to do it is kill them with kindness. I try to always make their life better. Like, yeah. even if they're screwing me over or being cruel to me, I'm, I just think, like, okay, when this is over, I want them to have a better life. So I'll. Here's what's comical, Ian, is that many people believe that the police see your white skin and just go, oh my God, sir, I'm sorry for pulling you over. <laughs> uh, hey, just slow it down a little bit, buddy. Go ahead. They have no idea that police. Just because of the job, they're pretty much a-holes to Dude, anybody the, they can get the away with. The most pissed off a cop has ever been at me is when I was on my phone in my car. He drove by on a motorcycle, looked at me, went, and pointed. I went, oh. And he went, like the face, like, I will arrest you on the spot if you don't pull that car over. I was like, oh, comply with the with the police. Yeah, and he gave I mean, me a ticket. I got beat up by the cops a number of times. There you go. They, they shouldn't be a-holes. They, 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 they are public servants. That's another thing. I, I agree you're a strategy, but we shouldn't be there in the first place. They should understand that they have a public duty to serve, and they should actually be responsible for serving. It's true. I, I, I think... You know, the fact that we often end up in this situation where we're like, oh, I understand they're mad. Let's just be very nice to them. We shouldn't have to. Mm. But I do think I, I do think that, you know, understanding the, the strategy yeah. and tact of, of, of yeah, be, be, uh, you know, be, be successful. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could be, you know, tactful. You could be respectful. But doesn't mean you have to overly brown nose and kiss their butts. You shouldn't have to do that. Would you if you yeah. could pick cops to be robots, would you? No. Would you? Uh, absolutely not. Because you've no, had a lot of emotional experiences with them, I think, right? Probably more than anyone at the table. Well, I, I got the crap beat out of me a number of times for, you know, not even breaking the law. For hanging out in the wrong crowd, the wrong neighborhood, and, you know, growing up in New York Did City. Did you look black but, at the time? Uh, I mean, listen, I, I listen. find it hard to believe that you got treated poorly yeah, by the, the police. Uh, well, you're up, white. Well, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York mm -hmm. City. But and, you're white. I mean... You've got white privilege. Didn't you show him your white privilege card? <laughs> in New York City, in, in, New York City a lot of, in New York City, a lot of it was well, based on the neighborhoods you were in. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. You, you've seen the South Park episode with Michael Jackson? Uh, so uh, Michael Jackson moves to South Park, and the police are at the department, and they're like, what's this? A black man has moved, moved in, and he's wealthy. <gasps> My God. And so they like raid his house to arrest him, and then when they see that he's white, they're like, what, what have we done? Oh, God. And then they apologize. So, uh, South Park's been on it. What do you know? think about robot police? I don't... I, Terminators? Look, 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 we got, we got to do well, super, like we a gotta super chats. Emotionless we law enforcers. We got we to gotta do super chats. But I do want to... I agree. Put, I, I want to hear Luke's a lot of the laws. A lot of the laws are bullcrap, so I wouldn't want robots uh, using them anyway. And I'll say one thing before we move on to super chats. Disorderly conduct, what does it mean? How could a robot determine whether or not you were disorderly? They can't. So you might get arrested for nothing. But anyway, we'll read some Super Chats. All right, let's see what we got here. Fisk the Lombax says the hedge funds want to keep all the rewards when they make risky decisions and win. But when they lose, they want to get bailed out and make everyone pay for their losses. Exactly. Yep. Ooh, here's one. Concussed Gamer says, Luke, you should get Tulsi Gabbard to wake Tim up in the middle of the night. That's the one. Hit me up, Tulsi. Uh, follow me on we'll Twitter. Luke, we are change. And, uh, we'll have Tulsi on we'll, the show. We'll do that. Yes, let's do it, Tulsi. Hit I, me up. You know... Well, I'll just leave it at you that. We'd love to have Tulsi Gabbard on the uh, show. I think Tim would contain his rage if yeah. Tulsi busted him open at 3 a.m. That would be weird. be like one of few people in the world that you would like, okay, I'm not going to get angry. Uh, right I, I got to be honest. Like, I probably wouldn't get mad at anybody walking in the middle oh, of the night. Really? Unless it was like someone wanted to hurt me. We should all wrong. dress up like gorillas <laughs> okay. and then st storm Tim in the middle. Yes. Of, uh, yeah. I like where this is headed. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably get really, really, really mad. Because yep. if, if I get woken up 
I get migraines unless I That's wait. That's what I'm talking about. Nasty migraines, and then I'll, I'll get nauseous. Tulsi has nauseated. the magic touch. No, I probably she got the power. I probably get a migraine. It's not nice to wake people <laughs> no up joke. in the middle of the night. That's yeah, it messes you me need up your REM bad. sleep. Messes me up real bad. Yeah. Right, let's see what we got here. Oh, what's this? Oh, here's a bold one. Insight on the age. It says David Peckman has gone insane. Please have him on. He needs help. Half truth. The half truth. The only way to explain. Please help. Hmm. I'm not sure I understand. I don't know what happened with David Peckman. Honestly, I used to watch a bit more of his stuff. I haven't recently. Uh, so I don't know. What's he doing? He's doing really well. Congratulations to him, though. Uh, you know, I've seen some of his videos pop up, and he's getting a ton of views. That's cool. Unless he's saying crazy things. I don't know. He's getting more and more famous, I've, but doesn't have, like, a grounded group of friends. Maybe. I've actually known David for a really, really long time. I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. We have our disagreements. I've been watching sure. him since, like, right when he started. When he was getting, like, 50 views, 300 views. Who he, is this again? David David, David Pakman. P-A-K. He, 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 he had this really famous moment where he had the Westboro Baptist Church on his show, and then Anonymous hacked their website in real time. So it's like, you know, he's been around for a minute, but let's uh, let's read some more as well. Let's see what super chats we uh, we got. We got DJ Strickland saying, I didn't like Jason years ago when he was ragging on the Raiders, but caught a YouTube video of his opinions last year about America. God bless, brother. There you go. Your sports opinions are bad, but your American were you, opinions are were good. Were you calling out the Raiders when they actually sucked? I lived in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, I'm not. And a I covered fan. the Chiefs, you know, and so he's just caught up in the Chiefs Raiders rivalry. I got I got to tell you guys, I think we're going to have a really, really funny bonus segment because uh, I, I already know what we're talking about. I'm not going to say anything right now, but trust me, you're going to love it. It's going to be really funny. We're going to laugh. And uh, you definitely want to go to TimCast.com and become members. Or, or you can wait because we'll post the video and then you can decide then. But I think it'll be hilarious. It'll be fun. Jason's going to be great. Jason's great. So I think we got a good segment. Uh, Mitch L says, one of your best guests, Big J, you are the man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I man, we got a, everybody loves you. Looks Brandon Freeman says, love Jason Whitlock. Love this format and guests you guys have been, been having on. Thanks for the great shows. Right on. Jamie Richards says, buy some stonks, and then posted Rockets. seven rocket to the emojis. Yes, they're going to oh. the and, it, and it says, colon, rocket, colon. I guess that's how you type the emoji. Carl uh, Engstrom says, been sharing your channels hard for a while here. Keep the truth coming. Thank Greatly you. appreciate it. Please, Thanks. please share. It helps. Josh Martinez says, finally, I can lurk in the CNN comment section and um, upvote each one in good conscience. It's about time we had a good day. <laughs> Trumpism. Omega Blade says, hi, Tim, check out John Schaffer's Sons of Liberty. One of the songs, Jekyll Island lyrics mentioned ending the Fed. Ooh. Sounds like a Ron Paul kind of band. Yeah. Let's see what we got. Let's see some of these. Gareth Green goes on to say, let me be clear, though. The, this anti-short, this storming of Wall Street is glorious. It is the beauty of the true free market that human hands cannot control. Mm. Oh, I think there's probably another one I missed. He was the, the heir from earlier. Yes, but I think maybe he had another one. Oh, it's hard because sometimes they get broken up. Here we go. This one's important. Chris Geitze says, watching Reddit ruin people's retirement funds for the lulls is like watching Antifa burn small businesses to fight the establishment. You know, that, that is one of the, the questions being mentioned about hedge funds. Are they managing people's retirement accounts and betting it all and losing it all? Jeez. Look. It's still an issue of the establishment crony elites rigging the game to enrich a small group of people, and they are using these retirement funds to do so. So, right. It's different if you have a business and then someone comes and burns it down as collateral damage, as opposed to if you're giving hedge fund managers money to invest and ignorantly yeah. not knowing that they're gaming the system. When you're, you know, you get to choose how risky of an investment you want to make as an individual. So that's a personal decision that a lot of people are making. So. That's up to them. Bobby Lane says, 
Luke, I always vote with my dollar, which is why I'm leaving a super chat. Keep it the good work over there. And I'm ready. Uh, I'm really glad to see Wall Street bets making the rich big sad. LOL, Alex Jones, 2024. Oh, geez. <laughs> there we go. Psycho Dwarf says, Tim, fact of the day, a time on target artillery attack is called a stone. Ah, yes. Interesting. I don't know what that's a reference to, but probably something important. Someone said, what is it? Uh, spell checker, stonk. Interesting. Nobody knows what it means. Stonks? Yeah, well, yeah, it's just a slang term, right? It means stonk. Luke meme. said stonk when, earlier when he was saying stonk. Well, it's, it's a meme. Stonks. Is oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. It is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Michael Tierney says, we just need the 99% to stop buying from companies like Amazon and Walmart. Mm. Spend at small business to keep the money in the community. Lockdown transfer of wealth opened my eyes to this and instantly canceled Prime and go to local stores. It's a very, very good point. Yeah. That's a tough one for me. Yeah. It, I, I, I watch a lot of Amazon Prime yeah. videos. Yeah. I'm watching one right now, America, This Is Us or something like that. It's a, about American history. I, I, I think we, we about been, getting away from Amazon. Well, we I've been going more to a uh, uh, more regional chain grocery store instead of Walmart because we used to go to Walmart all the time. I don't want to go to Walmart anymore. Oh, yeah. I never go anywhere. Yeah. So now it's like trying to avoid it, but it's rough, man. Does Prime, does Amazon own Twitch? They own Twitch, don't they? They gave me prime benefits for Twitch for uh, Red Dead Redemption. I got a bunch of in-game benefits for having prime. Oh, they're everywhere. I think they might. Let's see. Anglo-Saxonite says, look into Pelosi buying Visa stock after she helped pass a law that helped Visa. She and her husband made millions. They're pretty rich. Wouldn't be surprised. Gareth Green says, FYI, Poland was a Soviet satellite, but it was officially an independent nation. It wasn't actually part of the Soviet Union. It was part of the Russian Empire from the from the Napoleonic Wars until World War One, though. After it was partitioned out of existence in the late 1700s. Yeah, Amazon owns Twitch. Okay. Wow. Yep. Billion dollar company. Matthew Herbeck says, "You know what? I feel for these hedge funders. Maybe I can offer a glimmer of hope. There's night school. Cut your spending. Maybe pick up another part time job. Think of a change of trade. Learn to code. <laughs> work longer hours." <laughs> Where they are, Bravo, they, they are going to get a thousand four hundred dollar check soon. So that's right. that, yeah. they got well, that going for well, them. Well, no, actually, la- it's based on last year's income, oh, I believe, no. where they probably made <laughs> millions of dollars. So now that they're broke and destitute, they're not even going to get that. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Sympathy. Too bad. Stevie B says a stock is only worth the next person will pay. Ninety percent of those buying GME will lose. Wealth will be destroyed when stock gap down. Don't touch GME. Hmm. It's a good point. It's true, but. You have to think about 3 million people each putting in a couple hundred bucks. The maximum loss for them is a couple hundred bucks. So it's bad. Some people bet big and they'll lose big for sure. But these hedge funds bet way big with no bottom. And so the more people keep buying up, the more that as long as there's massive demand, it'll keep going up. And then these hedge funds are going to be in serious trouble. How did GameStop make out after all this? Are they actually getting fiat from the stock purchases? So my so there there is an uh, some people are saying that maybe GameStop will issue more stock to raise capital to help save the company. Uh, I think some people pointed out that executives of the company sold a long time ago when it was at like thirty bucks, and so they got out while they could. Ultimately, it's irrational. The money is just being traded between people, not the company. The company could theoretically, you know, raise capital somehow. They may have already done it. I wonder if GameStop will take the opportunity in the PR to actually make some positive changes to survive. I think, in my opinion, if they can, still, if it's not too late, 
They need to make GameStop kind of like Steam. Yeah. They need to create a browser-based game downloading system, and their brick-and-mortar stores should become event spaces with gaming competitions, local stuff that should lead to region, na- state level, then regional, then national, really promote the community. They should do board games, card games, video games, and they should sell stuff. And if people are playing the games online and downloading kind of like how Steam works, but then they go into the physical shop as a member to compete, and then the winners get to go to the, you know, the regional stuff, that's going to create a whole market around a professional space, new products, new economy. That's the way you play it. Maybe they won't do it. Maybe they can't do it. I don't know. That's what I'd do if I was them. Grand Kai says they are not afraid of their buddies failing. They are afraid of losing their money. From newsroom to politicians at their... uh all their wealth is at risk. Tell me how many people got their money back from Madoff. This is the same. Yep, they're going to be really, really salty. Let's move down here. We got some more from Gareth Green. He says, I would like to say that hedge funds do provide a service to those who invest in them, like me and my parents. That said, I was revolted when our financial manager expressed approval of massive money printing in our last meeting. I disavow him. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I have a lot of friends and I've known for a really, really long time who have always been really well off and they're really good people who are really aware. The problem is the snooty elites who think they're better than everyone just because they were born into it. And then mostly the people who exploit the system. I guess some people are bad people, you know. I try not to be mean to people. Base player 2011 says sellers lost almost $40 billion trying to short Tesla. Not hard to see why Elon is loving this. Mm. Yup. Uh, Jaya Surin says, I heard that Elon was only briefly the richest man in the world and Jeff Bezos came back to the top after a day and Elon was the richest guy because of Bezos' alimony to his wife because of the divorce. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, there you go. Bezos split half his, half his net worth with his wife when they divorce. Not Lur- half, no. Oh, I thought it was half. No, I like think less than that. Oh. Lurch says, Enrique Tario turns out to be an FBI informant. Curious. I did do a segment about it, but it was a while ago. I don't think it was, it was, yeah. it was actually recent. Hmm. Let's, uh, we got, we got way too many. I'm so sorry, guys. We got way too many super chats, but y'all are awesome and I really appreciate it. Chris Pavoto says, Tim Luke, did you see that Governor Newsom approved $1 billion tax bucks in contracts to a Chinese company for N95 masks reported a few days ago? Been pushing my family to leave CA, even though our special uh, needs son benefits from CA weather. That's a bummer, man. Mm. Definitely. California is brutal. I escaped. Yes. I'm happy. How long were you there? 10 years. Can you disclose where you went afterwards? Yeah, I'm in Nashville. Okay, awesome. Yeah. What what decade were you in California? 2010 to 2020. Yeah, I was there for part of that too. Um, I think they're getting rid of Newsom, or they want to issue some they're recall. On it. Yeah, is that the what they're recall. doing? We got a uh, religious post here. Josh Shuster says Jesus Christ is God. He shed his sinless, perfect blood to atone for mankind's sin. Corinthians 15:1 through 4. You must trust Jesus for salvation and not a religion. Or your own good works. And that's uh, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I am not a very particularly uh, big religious person, but uh, much respect to to those who want to express themselves. Dr. Doctor says, with the advent of automation and the fact that humans as a species is not evolving quick enough compared to its computing machine, so we're going to have a mass displacement of workers in the near future, 30 years or so, how do we as a society figure out a, a figure out how our bartering system, perhaps there's more, but I think I got the general idea. Um, who, what, what was this? Someone mentioning that Canada is going to go full UBI or something like Ooh. universal basic income is around the corner and they really want to push it. Hmm. They want everybody just getting money. Hey, they crashed the, the market. 
Nobody owns anything. And then they decide what you can have. That's the uh, the elite global authoritarianism. I mean, that's the Great Reset, basically. Have you seen that, right, Jason? Oh, yeah. And it's... You will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, they're talking about the f- fourth industrial revolution with technology and their advancements, particularly in AI, removing a huge swap of the labor force. So that's literally what they're discussing at Davos right now that they're calling the Great Reset, the Great Redefining of Capitalism, a.k.a. more centralization, more control, and more regulation, justice. more big government, all in done in the name of social justice. Naomi Klein said this is all going to be all the good things that they promise are never going to happen all the bad things and the consequences <laughs> are going to happen because yep. of this microsoft has patent 060606 something like that and it's like a it's an implantable where uh where it can measure your bioactivity and then pay you crypto we're in a simulation bro yeah. they want you to like the, it'll be able to register if you're watching an ad on tv and if you watch specific ads it'll pay your account crypto just for watching just right. for being a certain way we got isaac lux he says first super chat but newish viewer, five months, recently MI unemployment got stimulus, so I wanted to support you guys. I watched your 10 a.m. video and almost hopped on the train, but I saw this coming. Well, you know, it, I'll, I'll just shout out. I, I really appreciate it, Isaac. But I do think if you're on unemployment and you have a stimulus, you should keep all that. You should you should keep all that. Um, but if you really want to support the show, by all means, I mean, I'm, not, I'm I, you know, I'm a pretty lefty guy. I don't I don't like the idea of people having money getting special access for the most part. But it's just kind of how the system works. There's no real way around it. Tim's going to get know? super rich and then distribute the wealth to a bunch of people. <laughs> we can't yeah. do that. I'm going to leave my address here when you <laughs> cut those checks. about as socialist as I am. Dude, I was, when, when, you know, we saw Mega Millions hit a billion dollars. I, I bought some tickets and I, no lie, I was like, as the guy's printing it, I'm like, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And he started <laughs> laughing. I'm like, no, I mean it. If I want a billion dollars, I'd give tons of money. Oh, yeah. I'd give so much. I'd give it all away. I'd give almost all of it away. I'm too, it's I'm. I'm just, I just give it away. Dude, Luke, would, all Luke, the Luke would keep you it and he'd buy Bitcoin with it and he wouldn't, he wouldn't let anyone know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> would you yeah. give the money away? I, if I had uh, millions, yeah, without a doubt. Dude, I would just yeah. start investing in all these That's people. so much money. People don't understand just like how stupid rich people are that they don't know even what to do with themselves with that money. To, to, to be fair, it might not help people. It might hurt them. Seriously. A lot of people who get a lot of money really quickly end up actually uh, putting themselves in very horrible but, but situations. I, but I tell you what I would do. I would, go, I would go to a random house, knock on the door, and be like, I was wondering if there's any bill you're having trouble with. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I got this one bill. It's like a 1000 bucks. I'd be like, here you are, sir. Have a nice day. So it's just enough to help them out That'd that one fun. thing. The problem with just giving a random person a million bucks is they don't know what to do with it. How do they put it in a bank? Like, So if I actually won the lottery, you might actually cause a lot of stress and problems for them by giving them too much. Well, but you want if to, you, if you win the lottery, you want to give them enough to where they're jumping up and down. Yes. And they've alleviated a lot of their problems. But not to where it's, you know, more money, more problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, creating a situation where you just give people money is a lot different than creating opportunities for people to earn money doing good things. If I had a whole bunch of crazy, stupid money, I would literally build it into developing tech, social media, internet 2.0 like it was before. That's yeah, what I would do. Start investing yeah. in companies like startups. You know, I would, no, I would do. No, it's build an, an own decentralized central internet network that was the internet of the old, bringing it back on its own servers, on its own platforms, and giving people jobs and opportunities to work in the future giving a service that's going to free people i'll tell you what i do oh. i would pay off tons of medical debt i think that's the the yeah. easiest i don't way. want to give money yeah. to those companies right now well, no but true. buying but buying debt is is like 10 percent of the actual cost so when occupy wall street organized this thing i forgot what it was called but uh they raised a bunch of money and then they you have this debt that's sitting 
that they can't collect because the people are destitute. So they say, how about we resolve? You want 10 grand? I'll give you a thousand bucks and we'll consider it resolved and say deal. And then the people who are in debt are no longer in debt anymore. There's still the problem of them having to pay taxes on it. So then you have to figure out a way to give them enough money to where they can cover all of the taxes. So you'd have to give them some money and pay their medical bills. I think that would be a really good way to, to, to give away a lot of the money if you won the lottery. Dude, people don't realize if you won the billion dollar prize, you would have more liquid cash than Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. You would give up about half of it to the government. You'd end up with probably like 400 million because the cash prize, the net, the total annuity prize is a billion, but then the cash payout, if you choose cash is 735 million, then you pay half of it. So you end up with, you know, just shy of 400 million. You'd have more liquid cash than most billionaires in this country, maybe even in the planet, because they have hard assets that are very, very valuable, but liquid, not so much. You'd then have to figure out what to do with it. It's not, it's not, it's not so easy, but let's be real. If you're on the lottery, you'd be like Richie Rich. You know? I, I would, I would, I was sitting here listening to you guys. I would invest a lot of money in my school, Ball State University, mm-hmm. and I would make them teach things that mm-hmm. I, that celebrated traditional American values. I'd run all the Marxists off campus mm-hmm. and create an entrepreneurial school that taught kids how to start their own businesses. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's what I, and I hope my school president's not listening to this. <laughs> All right, we're just gonna, we'll, we'll grab a couple more, uh, super chats here. Art Vandalay says, check out the new Thomas Sowell documentary on free to choose network and upcoming bio by Justin Riley. Sowell is a national treasure. He, he is. is a, he's a he smart is. fellow. Yeah. He's the second smart. person that suggested that in the last 24 hours. What's the hours. name of the documentary? I, I don't remember. You should watch, uh, Shelby Still did a vid, uh, documentary, What Killed Michael Brown. Awesome. Oh, interesting. Awesome. All right, we got, JQ Nelson Film says, Whitlock, heard you moved to Nashville from L.A. I just moved from NYC to Nashville due to the lockdown, homelessness, etc. Do you think these big cities will come back post-COVID? Also, we go to the same barbershop. Oh, he goes to Collins Barbershop. Uh, I don't think the big cities are going to come back. Not to what they were. No, I think. And I was telling Lydia uh, when she picked me up from the airport. I think that's a mistake for conservative people. And conservative media outlets, they need to evacuate New York and L.A. Quit playing away games. Go play home games in Texas, in Tennessee, in Florida. Go be with your customers. And, you know, I wish that Fox News would relocate to Nashville or Dallas. And that way Lachlan Murray or Lachlan Murdoch or any of them, they would when they went out and socialized, they go out and be amongst people who thought like them yeah. rather than playing road games yeah. and being intimidated because yeah. the whole atmosphere around you is so far left. There's, there's a meme I tweeted today in relation to this. It says, if lockdowns weren't profitable cash cows for the global billionaire class, they'd end tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Good so. point. All right. We got James Kaliri saying, take this money, you capitalist pigs. <laughs> Love you guys. Appreciate it. Tilt Rod says, on police reform, Sir Robert Peel basically invented the idea of a uniformed police force. I think you would appreciate his original principles about policing, Peelian principles. We abuse the power of police by using them as tax collectors. Interesting. Well, my friends, thank you all so much for all of your comments and super chats. We had a lot tonight. And as you know, I, I we really can't get through everybody, but we try. But we are going to have another segment coming up at TimCast.com, which is going to be, at least I hope, very funny and fun and more relaxing and chill. 
And uh, I can cuss, I was told. Yeah. You can yes. cuss. Yes. You can go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be I hilarious. I two hours without cussing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'm shaking. We did. We, well, we, we do tell everybody they can cuss if they want, but YouTube is just really nasty about it. And we try to be family friendly. So it's really up to up to you, but everybody kind of respects the idea that, you know, we'll keep it down. But at TimCast.com, we're going to go crazy, oh, yeah. and it's going to be hilarious. We're going to be laughing. So please go to TimCast.com, become a member, smash the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parler. Why did I just say that? Keep saying it. Stop it. Parler's coming back. It That's is? Right. I don't know. Maybe. A bit one day. Mine's at TimCast, and my other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash News. And we do the show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m., so we will be back tomorrow. Jason, you want to shout out anything you're working on, your podcasts, your Twitter, what you uh, got? You can check me out on Twitter at WhitlockJason. I'll just leave it at that. It's a good Twitter account, too. I've been That's following great, for a yeah. while, so good for No, me. you haven't been following. What? Yeah, they de- unfo- you unfollowed me. I didn't unfollow <gasps> you. I know. Somebody did. Oh. I follow you. Trust me. I've been heartbroken about it. Oh. Lydia, what did I say when you <laughs> asked me? I said, no, I, I've been, I been first followed you I a long time. No, I know. I yeah. know. So, when she, when, so when she mentioned, she went ahead yeah. and I was like, yeah, of course. Like, heck yeah. Oh, now I'm mad at Twitter. Oh. I've been mad at Twitter for a long time. But this has been happening. There's also Ron Coleman. He's a lawyer. I've been unfollowed for him like five times. Oh, I don't what? unfollow him. And I literally, I was like, damn, I wonder what I said. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll follow you right now. Luke, you're here. What are you doing? This happens a lot, by the way. Also, if you like to buy the t-shirt that I'm wearing right now that says, if you trust the government, you don't know history, you can on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Thank you so much for purchasing those t-shirts and supporting me over at wearechange.org. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Yo. What up, everybody? I'm Ian Crossland. You can follow me uh, basically all over the internet at Ian Crossland and um, probably gaming later tonight. If you want to follow me on twitch.tv slash Ian Crossland, I'll be firing out a tweet to let you know when I go live. Jason, you mentioned that you were going to be starting a show. I know maybe it's too premature to really talk it's too, too much premature. about it. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting, though. I'm, I'm going to follow you on Twitter as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Jason. I'm so offended at Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Twitter. I, I, because I remember you tweeted something in response to me, and I immediately followed you. Yeah. And, and then I guess I just didn't even you haven't followed that... me in about six or seven months. Trust me. I, I have the day written wow. down next oh to my, my, my on my nightstand. <laughs> and, 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 but we've also read OutKick articles before, too, yeah. I think, from you. Yeah. Yeah. No, for Dude, sure. Twitter's but dirty, I, man. I'm, I'm saying this in all seriousness. There have been two podcasts I wanted to come on. And I can now cross this off. Oh, list. dude, you're welcome to come back yes. anytime. It's fun show. Joe Rogan is the other one. Tim Pool wow. and Joe Rogan are my favorites, and it's like it's way bigger though. You know? I feel like if you if you're interviewed by Tim Pool and Joe Rogan, you've made it. <laughs> I honestly, right. I swear, I promise you. Then you and gotta I, get interviewed by Tim Pool and Joe Rogan at the same time. That would be yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna that would be, be incredible. Like 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 Jack. Everyone keep everyone always brings up that episode about Twitter or whatever. I am eternally grateful to Joe for having me on because I, I told the story before, but like when Joe asked me to do it, I was like, Are "You serious?" Like. like I got I just I had like a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, what am what am I doing? I don't think you this? smiled once on the show too. It was no. awesome. He did not. <laughs> he never broke character. Yep. He never broke character. Well, because for you me, were in their ass. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were right though. Yeah. Well, no, no. It was uh, like when I when I went in went to that show. I didn't even care about the cameras. I was like, oh, these guys. Like I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say some stuff. Anyway, anyway, we, we'll, we'll save it for the bonus segment. We also got Sour Patch. Let's press on all them buttons. Yes, I'm pushing all the buttons. I had a great time talking with Jason when I picked him up from the airport. You guys can follow me on social media if I can recall. I am Real Sour Patch Lids on Gab and Instagram, and I am Just Sour Patch Lids, Sour Patch Lids on Minds and Twitter. Right on. The conversation continues. Ooh.
at TimCast.com. We're going to have a, a, a special segment talking about some funny stuff related to the uh, the Gorilla t-shirts. And, uh, you know, we'll have some fun with it. So thanks for hanging out, everybody. And we'll see you over at TimCast.com.